in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. I am your co-host, Andy Hart. And with me, as always, is your co-host, Art Stone. Whoa, Andy, I am so excited. I'm so freaking pumped, dude. It is Wednesday. You know what that means? A brand new episode of Young Sheldon premieres tonight on CBS at 7 p.m. Central, 8 Eastern. Wow, Young Sheldon. The show that explores the backstory of the most complex character in television history, Sheldon, from the Bing Bong Theory. I'm so excited. In this episode, Sheldon murders somebody. And guess what? And he tricks the police in Bazinga. (laughs) Wow. The birth of Bazinga. He Bazingas. Wow. He Bazingas. It's going to be great. Well, you know. I love television. I love television, too. And you know what? I think that Young Sheldon show has been on the air for like 18 seasons now. Oh, almost. Tried 19 and a half. 19 and a half. Same age. my favorite show. Yeah, exactly. Mine, too. I watch it religiously. In fact, I've begun to start a church around Young Sheldon. (laughs) The Church of Young Sheldon. Yeah, in my in the the, the Young Sheldonites, right? In the lore of the church, Young Sheldon <laughs> gets crucified when the show is over. The actor, not the character, <laughs> and that leads the world into an age of darkness, which is <laughs> only saved when Young Sheldon returns to the airwaves. Well, as in adult, syndicated form, as adult Sheldon. No, wait, what? No, oh no, adult Sheldon has nothing to do with it. Oh, geez, am I forming a splinter off this church already? You are, yeah, you are. This is heresy. As far oh as my I'm god, concerned. so you're like, you're like, you're like Judaism, and I'm like the Christianity. Where I'm like, no, 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 no. Sheldon rises again, right? As adult Sheldon, right? On the and Big I, Bang Theory, and I just say Sheldon comes back. <laughs> young Sheldon in syndication. No, you're saying Young Sheldon has well hasn't come yet, but one day he might. Well, he's too young to come, as far as I know. <laughs> I hope the show will explore that aspect of the character. I love television. I love television. And you know who else loves television? Who? Bunch of fucking dorks on the internet. But also, uh, the two people that are here with us <laughs> to help host the show. The co-hosts yeah. of One and Done TV That's podcast, right. Ian O'Sullivan Hamilton yeah. and John Dogshit Polky. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having us. Without uh, the context, I, I I mean I really appreciate my nickname. Yeah. This is John this is has gotten I've been a striving new, towards. New puppy. The puppy was having some accidents. But you know what? John persevered and he still showed up today. He is so excited to be here. These guys are the co-hosts, as you said, of One and Done TV, a fantastic podcast that we endorse fully. Yeah. Yeah. The bunker for better or worse. Like shit, so happy to be here. Uh, it's a it's a it's a welcome reprieve. 
and <laughs> it's it's nice and sterile. Wow. So thank you. Wow. The first time anything in the bunker has been called sterile except for me. There it um, is. <laughs> there it is. So, Ian, you've been on the show too many roughly times. 800 times. Yeah. Uh, more than me, actually, yeah. I think, at this point. That's true. Yeah, um, I have also listened to more of the show than you, and that includes when you're here recording it, not paying attention. <laughs> well, well, I do think that you listen to most every episode, and I've never listened to an episode of this podcast, and I fall asleep most of the time during recording. Yeah. People yeah, don't know this, but a lot of the things, a lot of the things that Andy, yes, you can hear the CPAP. I have to have my background. CPAP machine with me at all times. A lot of your, I just take audio from older episodes and just splice it in, and it it all works out. Yeah, I only say the same yeah. three jokes it's over like and the over same, and over again. Oh, I combed my pants. It's me, Mrs. Dirtfire. Oh, I was forty-seven back in nineteen oh eight. You know. Yeah, it works. Um, it's like the way that they made the last Peter Sellers Pink Panther by taping together old footage from the previous <laughs> Pink Panther that was cut. And it was a big lawsuit in Hollywood at the time that set some union standards going forward. Wow. Wow. I mean, just like young Sheldon, Peter Sellers brought back from the dead. Um, Ian and John, One and Done TV is, well, I could explain it to the beefers out there, but why don't you tell us what is One and Done TV podcast? One and Done TV podcast is where Ian and I research and review shows that only lasted one season. Sometimes they even got canceled in the middle of their seasons. Wow. And they just kind of were left to die on the vine. Wow. Uh, so would this we constitute have... shows like HBO's John Adams? Get out of here. Get your shit and run. This is not we don't, we don't we don't talk about Giamatti here. <laughs> this is a this isn't a Giamatti Why? friendly place. What we I don't do? we don't lap it up for Linny. We're oh, not geez. there. That's not what we're doing right now. Yeah. No. Who do you think we are? Some ladies in the water. Oh my god. Oh wow. You Ian and John, you guys. This podcast are... has gone sideways. Oh Christ. Oh jeez. Oh god. Oh god. The Merlot wine sales are tanking. Um, you guys are lifelong friends. You've been friends since like kindergarten or something like that. Yeah, it and, sucks. And you Ugh. both have, truly, I will say this. I've said this in texts to Ian. You guys have like an unbelievable, I don't know. It's like, I, you're not cinephiles, but you're like TV files. Where like, you guys have an unbelievable knowledge of TV and movies, but you have such a catalog of of TV and references and industry knowledge and you just know all the little actors and you guys can do like six degrees of Kevin Bacon all by yourselves. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of your, I think your, 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 one of your strong suits of the show, right? Yeah. Thanks. We, I mean, we're not just TV files, but it's definitely the nicest file that we get called. And <laughs> it's, yeah, at least to our face. So John's a copra file these days. Look it up. Copra file. That means he eats shit. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know, oh, geez. I think if you two were able to be on that old game show, Beat the Geeks, I think that you both could beat the TV geek and probably the movie geek. Yeah. You remember that but show? We need to like, no. we'd still like mm-hmm. resort to sabotage in some way for sure. Well, yeah, you know, sure. Ian would go down and like pants them <laughs> as they were thinking of some quadratic equation or some crap like that. <laughs> Yeah, he's been known to go down on a few geeks over the years. When in doubt, just pull down their pants and let it all hang out. Um, I think that me and John have a good overlapping knowledge of 
TV. Like I know more about 90s sitcoms and a little bit more about like old Hollywood stuff than he does. Okay. Whereas John's like definitely got the reality angle cornered. And I don't know, John, what else would you say is really like your realm? Is it just everything after the year 2000 or? Yeah, it's basically exclusively below deck and then a <laughs> smattering of <laughs> other shows. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, yes, I have watched all 325 episodes across the four spinoffs of wow. Below Deck. Wow. It's been a good year. It's been a productive year. Was that was that a goal or did that just happen? It you know, it, it happened to me. Uh, it happened upon <laughs> me. It happened within me. Oh, you were chosen. I get it. It was, yes. I was just as uh, young Sheldon uh, bestowed his uh, bow tie onto you, Andy. Um, I yes, think I have, I have been favor. chosen to don the FBI. cap. <laughs> I have received the chosen one's favor. I have received and a bazinga. also unto you. Uh, and bazinga be with you. And bazinga. <laughs> yeah. Is that like his catchphrase? Yeah. I literally... You don't know? Right. Uh, Yeah, you'd think... Quick, how many episodes of Big Bang Theory have each of you seen? About four minutes total for me. Right. Maybe one piece together over accidentally catching seconds of it over the years flipping through the channels. I mean, I remember when that commercial first came out for the show... As a mere teenager, I thought, this is so stupid. Mm-hmm. This is just one of those shows that's going to die instantly. And it never did. And yeah. it it still blows my mind to this day. Like, uh, some shows just stick around that you never think that they would. Like, today I saw that The Equalizer with Queen Latifah is still on, John. Did you know yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's... She... She wasn't a queen at the beginning of the run, and then she actually got, once you get to season three, you get appointed as Queen Latifah. Wow. Next in um, line for the crown. I don't know if you knew that. So question for everybody. What's your favorite Chuck Lorre sitcom? That is an excellent <laughs> question. Can not Grace under fire be, a, uh, be an what? answer? None of the above. One no. of the shows that we want have to, to do one. is what, what's the weed show that he did, John? Disjointed, disjointed, and With Kathy uh, Bates. right. And I really wanted to like it. Yeah, it's one and done. It mm-hmm. had Chris Red in it. Did y'all ever perform with Chris Red when he was in Chicago a lot? No. I was on the same bill as him, but I never did anything with him. No, you're right. That's that's how I was too. I was like in the same show, but I've I met wasn't. Him. On stage. At yeah, potential he, boyfriends. He gave me like a really nice compliment once. And I, oh, I always nice remember guy. that. Yeah. Um, so today we're talking. <laughs> Wait, nobody said their I, favorite Chuck Lorre oh, sitcom. Okay. I, I, I don't mean, have mom, any. I'm mom. To... What about mom? Okay, what about thank mom? You, John. What about Bob? Um, At least the Anna Ferris and Alice and Janney of it all. Did it hold together? Absolutely not. It's a Chuck Lorre sitcom. But wow. you have those two powerhouses. Dude, but didn't they give Allison Janney an award anyway? They gave her multiple awards. She got like three Emmys for that. As she deserves. Mm-hmm. I know Art's favorite is Two and a Half Men. Yeah. Love Two and a Half Men. Because he relates sing, so sing much the theme to, song? The, to the kid in that one. Men, 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 men. Everybody loves Two and a Half Men. 
Um, so what made you, Ian and John, what made you fall in love with TV? Why do you like TV? Because of the clicking noises. That's uh, <laughs> when you when you did the dial. It's very appealing when you uh-huh. are a, a, a baby and right. you have an old fangled TV, and it's it makes that noise. It's very satisfying when you're like two or three. I yeah, think. the the analog part of those old timey TVs is really what got us in love with it. And then when everything turned digital, we just couldn't think of anything else to do. Yeah, just purely out of uh, boredom and a little bit spite. Uh, we went back and re-examined it. Oh, speaking of spite, we started this podcast in its initial iteration in 2015, mm-hmm. and there have been several copycats since then, and wow. none of them have lasted. This again. This and, again. Oh, yeah. And I'm- Challenge I'm, a call out live on the air. Right. I am out for blood. Like, I want to make this the longest running, best podcast about TV shows that were canceled after one season wow. ever. Well, uh, you have our full endorsement, so right. we will be hitching our wagon to this horse and ho- ho- hoping Whether to God that, that helps it you or not. We'll find through out through the Oregon Trail of podcasting, and um, now and, yeah. well, we'll see you in the Pacific Ocean. Though. Yeah, Thank yeah. You. Now, Ian and John, there's been a lot of changes to television programming in my lifetime. Do you think that? Well, first TV- of all, it started in your lifetime. It went right. from radio companies to television and then it's changed ever since (laughs) do you think that tv programming is on a good path do you think there's good content on tv now i think the volume of content means that you're gonna have more garbage than you did before but you're also going to advance the form more wow as a process i think that it's a it's a push and pull Big that brain is, take from John Polking. Yeah, He's now John is, Big Brain Polking. Yeah. <laughs> Forget dog shit. This is yeah, Big Brain Polking. I like that take. That's a good take, John. Well, Ian? something had to come from eating all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> had to fill up something yeah. there. Um, I am a little bit more cynical than John is wow. about the future because wow. there's this big merger happening with Warner Brothers and Discovery. It already and- happened. Right, it happened, and HBO Max is in the crossfire. They just canceled Cartoon Network, for God's sakes. Like, I think that all, this, all these giant companies merge. What they're finding out, and what, what I'm bitter about as an artist, is that making unscripted television, which is much cheaper to make, and you can get people to stream just as many, if not more, hours of their streaming services as possible. So they're cutting out a lot of good union jobs to make these shows that are cheaper to make and have fewer protections for its workers. And I am interested to see when that part of it crests, because I I think that enough people in reality are taken advantage of that um, there will be a revolution and... People will get paid, and then they'll be like, "You know what? Let's start making narrative content again." Because this you reality put a soapbox under him, or <laughs> who, who gave him that? Is it? Do you have all the Dr. Bronners that you bought? Is that where you're standing on that soapbox? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to write down my entire philosophy on a remote control. <laughs> yeah. 
You two have put more thought into this. Yeah, and I appreciate true. those answers. Those are good answers. Than I put into anything in my life. So that's very I true. very much appreciate those answers. Now, for something easier, you have how many episodes now of One and Done TV? Uh, we'll just hit 25 after this week. Wow, wow. 25. Oh, the big 2-5. The big 2-5. And- Freaks and geeks. So yeah, wow. we celebrated the milestone with the uh, that's with a the, big with one the, that's, with the goodie. Wow, that's like yeah. the one. I mean, uh, our Studio sixty episode. I think like my the top one and done's when I think of them are like Freaks and Geeks, Firefly, and for me Studio sixty because I just remember it was like a big deal when it came out and it and it and then everyone you guys was so hated disappointed. Studio sixty. Well, you fucking despised we, it. Complicated. It's complicated. Wow. We wa- we watched it and hated it and still wanted to love it. I'm very Stockholm excited Syndrome to hear your takes on in. Freaks and Geeks. Um, uh, yeah. You know, for the listeners who haven't checked out One and Done, we encourage you to do so because um, truly, I mean, uh, uh, Ian and John have really, really astute takes on a lot of different things, and it's really interesting to hear you guys pick certain things apart, especially when it's something that I've seen before as well. So, like, I can feel like I'm part of the discussion. Um, you know, I, I listened to the, uh, episode you guys did on Bam's, uh, wedding that we Bam's unholy union, Bam's unholy union. Yes. And I remember watching that. I remember being a, being a young teen and idolizing skaters and skate culture and Bam, he was so fucking cool. It was like, we were right in that. All of us are around the same age. We're around a a similar, uh, you know, we similar tastes and stuff as we grew up. 76 on Tuesday. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We're going to be 76 on Tuesday. And it's it's like it was interesting to hear it from a perspective that I share where it was like when I watched it or when I was watching all that Viva La Bam stuff, it's like it was made for my age group and like for me. And then to like look back on it now is like a very interesting perspective. I think. Well, especially that show in particular, it was like they were just trying to ring all of the content they could oh, out yeah. of Bam at that point. And he was just a huge asshole in that show. Mm-hmm. And we could not stand him, yeah. actually. Like, anything that brought you joy about his other work, like, was just sloppy and gone by that point. No, I think looking back, you realize that, like, you know, and and you see this now with the way that the Jackass crew has kind of grown up. Um you know, you can even go listen to Bam on Steve-O's podcast. And it's interesting to see how they've grown up and dealt with their demons and different things. And, um, you, I, you know, you, uh, you're glad that some of them were able to kind of escape, you know, whatever it is that was troubling them. But, uh, yeah. I thought that was an interesting episode, Bunk Bunkers, if you want to check that one out. So you, you talked about some, some one duns that you liked. Is there, one show or maybe a couple of shows that you both just mutually despise and felt like it was completely justified that the show didn't last more than one season or a few episodes. Bob Patterson is the worst show far and away for me that we have watched. Ian will disagree. That's because Ian's a bad person. Bob Patterson. I think it's the second worst show. <laughs> Bob Patterson is the kind of like late 90s early 2000s writing where you could just like smell the room that wrote that and it smelled like huh. you know old cigars and like 20 year old cologne and huh. 
it just like reeked of misogyny huh. and Some of the bunkers it was just like. this group of guys that were you know like just take my wife please level sort of nonsense uh that was spearheaded by jason alexander and could not stand any any aspect of that it was it was brutal and we watched wow. it twice too. oh my god Ugh. well why did right. you put yourself through that some inside baseball we recorded episodes then re-recorded some of those episodes because we changed format but who cares about that uh, there are reasons that in Bob Patterson, it came out around 9-11, and we made sure to compare it to 9-11 in several ways and really, really bang, bang that point into the ground. Uh, no, um, that's not a great teaser. I don't know what is. That first... makes me want to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, it was Jason Alexander's first show post-Seinfeld, and he took on way too much uh, responsibility. And he admitted that, actually. But that episode, the Bob Patterson episode, I have a friend of a friend who loves how much John hates it, and she's listened to it like five times. Uh, I don't take so, on the curmudgeon role uh, lightly, but when I do, I take it on wholeheartedly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Beefers, if you do listen to this episode, which you should, you will hear John go hard early and often <laughs> on Bob Patterson, yeah. seething with rage he the entire it. episode. I like to think of myself as a generally jovial human being. Uh, Bob Patterson sucked the life out of me. I, I like, think it's some point. We could we could release the first time we recorded the Bob Patterson episode where you hated it so much it just took over the entire conversation, and it wasn't found even that that entertaining I found because of it. I found veins I found that veins. I didn't know existed because they were popping out of me so much. Um. <laughs> Personally, my least favorite show we've reviewed is Connecting, which actually we just released that episode. And it was a Zoom comedy made in the fall of 2020. And they tried to make it like about a comedy about friends connecting over a Zoom type uh, software. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was just really rough for me. It was really rough for the actors. The writing was really rough. Uh, They like tried to make it uh, rigid. It was, it it had a lot of folds. Um, About coarse? No. No? Sandpapery though. Okay. Oh, oh, sorry guys. I don't mean to bust in here, but uh, I think I died for a minute from cringe hearing about connecting. (laughs) Well, I didn't even get to the part where they try to talk about all of the like all the heavy things in 2020 that we all went through and showing yeah. them going through it together. And it was not funny and it never hit emotionally. So to yeah, me, pand- that makes pandemic. it worse. Oh, it really sounds a lot like Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. That's true. <laughs> it is interesting how like pandemic style content didn't really People are just like, nah, we're just going to... We don't want to hear about it. We, we just want to move on. Move on. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, we're living it. We don't none need to of hear the, about it. Like, certain things feel like they were... Um, like, I don't think this is... I don't know if this is true or not, but uh, I've been watching The Patient on Hulu, and I feel like that felt like a pandemic episode because there's like only ever like two people on screen at one time. And I was like, was this filmed during COVID restrictions? Like, it feels like a COVID restriction style show. 
And there's a difference between something like that where, you know, I think there's a lot of creativity that could come from limitations. But when you are making the entire show about like a shared collective trauma, uh, it doesn't like when we were doing the show and I was doing research about it, there was a quote that I found from the social psychologist uh, talking about sort of what sort of content people were looking for in the pandemic. And she basically said, there's the people that want to engage with this and like learn as much as they can about what's happening so that they can be as informed as possible, or they want to completely escape it. And they want to, you know, find some other place to fly away to and connecting with somehow both and neither at the same time. <laughs> I don't know. I just wow. feel like both and neither at the same time. I feel like this would be like, we were talking about nine 11 earlier. It'd be like if, uh, you know, like two months after 9-11, somebody was like, well, it's time for a 9-11 themed sitcom. <laughs> People would be like, no, no, I don't want to think about it right now. Yeah. Sure is so, a great day here in the Twin Towers. Da, 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 here on September 10th, 2001. <laughs> There's a musical It's number. a musical. Yeah. Yeah. Things a are musical really sitcom. looking up for us on September uh, 10th. Yeah, that's the day it all turns around for me. I'm starting my new job here at the World Trade Center. Um, Bought a so, new jacket, too, just for the occasion. Yeah. That's going to be ruined. So, Ian and John, our beefers are hungry. Oh, they're so hungry. They want to listen to One and Done TV. Where do they go to listen to it? You can, well, actually, you can listen to it wherever you find your podcasts. Apple, Spotify. Stitcher for if you listen to that for some reason. <laughs> <You're> I, me. <laughs> yeah. Is that really how you I consume? I consume like two shows on there. Oh, I think I okay. still fucking pay for Stitcher Premium. I have one show I listen to on Luminary, and that is the all <laughs> I've been paying five dollars a month. For, yeah, it's just out there, and I'm like, I you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can find us pretty much wherever. Although now that I think about it, I don't know if Luminary from, on that, but who cares? Uh you can follow us on Twitter at one and done TV, on Instagram at one and done TV. You can check out our website, one and done You can email us, and this is very important. One and done pod at gmail.com because wow. that is a holdover from the first time we did the show and someone else has the one and done TV handle. So if you email them, I don't know who you're emailing him. Who you're emailing. Stop emailing them. It's me. Got you guys. <laughs> I got you. Damn it, Andy. Can I just buy it off you for like a hundred bucks? Yeah, we'll talk. Okay. You don't Maybe show money your cards the job so done. early in the negotiations, Ian. Uh, sorry, God. can I buy it off you for $2,000? No, that's the wrong way. <laughs> Shit. Money isn't everything, Ian. Wow. Um, great. So you guys are here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast, this podcast, and you're here to talk about a very appropriate subject, mm-hmm. Hollywood, Hollywood conspiracies. And we actually have one of our bunk funkers to thank in part for the inspiration for today's episode. That's right. Uh, this bunk funker is a longtime listener. Yep. Going back even to when we called our bunk funkers listeners. That's right. Um, and a longtime friend of the show, Rocky. Rocky. Um, Rocky, thank you so much thank for you, suggesting 
Uh, James Dean's car is cursed. James Dean's cursed car. James Dean's cursed car, which factors into today's episode. It does factor into today's episode, which is um, multiple. This is smorgasbord of Hollywood conspiracies. Yeah, this is hot Hollywood. It's sexy. It's young. Glitzy. Glitzy. Glam. Dirty. Nubile. Step cousins. Seedy. It's step cousiny. It's incestuous and sexy. It's late night glitz and glamour. This is this is the Lannisters. This is the Lannisters. Hollywood. Hollywood. Uh, so let's get into it. Let's uh, <laughs> let's put our own uh, stamps on the Walk of Fame today. Oh, um, by smashing our faces into some concrete here on Mister Bunker's Conspiracy Time Cast. Hey, I'm walking here. Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Hollywood Conspiracy Time Bar, Grill, Fish Fry, and Very Specific Regional Salsa Restaurant and Emporium. (laughs) My name is Ian, and I'll be your server today. Wow, what a handsome family we have. (laughs) Thank you. I'm Andy, and this is my co-host, Art. And who is this cute zombie-looking Sasquatch type? That's no zombie Sasquatch type. This is John Polking, co-host of One and Done TV, a podcast where you and him research and review TV shows that were canceled after one season. Does that include acclaimed limited series like Sharp Objects, The Night Manager, or Paul Giamatti in John Adams? Andy, don't be a fucking idiot. That's a completely different type of storytelling altogether. Can I talk yet? Fine. So... This is just some Planet Hollywood ripoff, but in a bunker. Yes. Thanks for noticing. Is that a napkin on the wall? Not just any napkin. That napkin was sneezed into by Peter Lorre on the set of Casablanca, then thrown into the trash. So? So? That's Peter Lorre's sneeze rag. Um, unfortunately, I don't think anyone under 80 years old knows who Peter Lorre is anymore, Ian. But I've been a fan of his since I saw him in his first film, Diversion von der Frau, a classic silent comedy from the Weimar Republic. Ooh, what grand memories I have of seeing Peter Lorre in talkies in later years. Why I'd skip along the cobblestones to the local Nickelodeon in my broad-brimmed sailor hat, Lollipop in hand. Those were better days indeed. How old are you? Nobody knows. Somewhere between 50 and 100. Yeah, something like that. What other decorations do you have? Is that the cane from Citizen Kane? Impressed? There was no cane in Citizen Kane. There wasn't? Well, I'll just cross that out and write Gandalf's staff on it. There you go. Hey, wait, is that the flashy thing for Men in Black? Of course it is. I used it on you before, remember? In the Men in Black episode of Mr. Bunker featuring me and my wife, Natalie O'Sullivan Hamilton? Mm. 
Um, no, yeah. I I don't remember that at all. Oh right, because I flashy thinged you so many times that episode. Uh, you know what? I'm just gonna start over. Where am I? What the hell's going on? Get me out of here! John, John, calm down! You've just been captured by an illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist named Mr. Bunker, who has brought you down into his Hollywood-themed restaurant to podcast about Hollywood conspiracies. Oh. Okay. Is that Gandalf's staff? Yes, it is. Cool. I'm starving. (laughs) Can I order some mozzarella sticks for the table? You two can split them. I'll just order a round of beers for the table. I don't like cheese. You don't like cheese? What the hell is wrong with you? And I don't need a beer. I don't drink. You don't drink beer? What the hell is wrong with you? I can't drink beer either, because what's wrong with me is that even a drop could explode my heart or my bowels. And that's not a diarrhea joke either. I mean, they will literally explode. My health is dancing on the razor's edge of oblivion. Frankly, I shouldn't even have a single bite of a mozzarella stick. Mm. So I'll get something healthy instead and order onion rings. There's no food here. We're going to serve up a four-course meal of Hollywood conspiracies that will rattle your bones, shock you, and make you say, Oh, wow, I didn't know that. (laughs) So let's start with the hors d'oeuvres, the cursed film adaptation of the Pulitzer Prize-winning book, A Confederacy of Dunces. The frustrated author, frustrated author. Thank you, Ian. I didn't even mean to do that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you didn't. The appropriate Chicago pronunciation. The frustrated (laughs) author. John Kennedy O'Toole died by suicide on March 26, 1969. Nice. Before his manuscripts were ever published. In her grief, his mother made it her life's work to get his unique and quirky book out there. It took a lot of persistence, but years of pounding on the doors of publishing houses and annoying literary professors, well, it finally paid off when A Confederacy of Dunces was finally published in 1980. Not only did it win the Pulitzer Prize in 1981, but it also sold 2 million copies. The book's critical and financial success, coupled with its brash leading character, Ignatius, and eccentric sense of humor immediately attracted Hollywood's hottest comic minds. In 1982, Harold Ramis planned to direct John Belushi as Ignatius, with Richard Pryor to co-star. A heavy set and perverse character, he was an ideal role for Belushi to follow up his Blues Brothers success, as long as he could master that unique New Orleans accent. Oh! <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> Belushi died of a drug overdose two weeks before he was set to sign on to the movie. Heavy set and perverse. That character sounds perfect for me. No, Andy, he said perverse, not perverted. Oh, oh, never mind then. Anyway, other heavy set comedy greats would go on to be attached to the movie only to die an untimely death. Comedy greats like Sam Kinison, who died in a car crash at the age of 38. John Candy, who died of a heart attack at age 43. And Chris Farley, who was 33 when he succumbed to his drug addictions. The rights to the book passed from hand to hand, company to company, but could never materialize as a movie. The deaths of these four comedy legends gave the project a reputation for being cursed. But what do the skeptics have to say? What about all the other actors who have been in line to play the role? 
like Jonathan Winters, Josh Mostel, John Goodman, Will Ferrell, Jack Black, and Zach Galifianakis, who didn't die untimely deaths. Well, if it is cursed, then it's only a matter of time until these comics croak. They need to start making Daddy's Home 3 soon before Will Ferrell keels over. Amen. Personally, I think he could have died before he made Holmes and Watson. <laughs> Sheesh! Well, that's Sheesh. that's that. I hope everyone enjoyed their hors d'oeuvres. Honestly, the portion size wasn't great, and it was a little gamey for my taste. <laughs> well, then let's move on to the appetizer. This one comes with a side of marinara. Chuck Barris, producer, game show host, assassin? <laughs> Chuck Barris is a legendary TV personality who produced classic daytime game shows like The Newlywed Game, The Dating Game, something called How's Your Mother-in-Law, and most famously, The Gong Show, a show that produced some of the worst, cringiest acts that audiences could find. Once the act got so bad it was unbearable to watch, they got the gong, and they were kicked out. While highly successful for daytime TV standards of the time, the gong show was largely criticized as being lowbrow and was by no means a critical darling. Yeah. (laughs) Critics even referred to Barris as, quote, the baron of bad taste, end quote, and, quote, the king of schlock, end quote. So you can imagine people surprised when he published an autobiography in 1984 called Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, where he claimed to be a producer by day and an international CIA hitman by night. The CIA emphatically denies that he ever worked for them. Although there was a time in his life that he was applying to work for them when he was young before pivoting to television. Barris himself denied the truth of his book once in an interview in 1984, saying that it was all made up. However, up until his death in 2017, his friends and family claimed he always insisted it was real or at least gave noncommittal answers like, I'll never say one way or the other. So what do skeptics have to say about this? Well, eh. It's all bullshit. He wrote a book to change the narrative about how the public viewed him. I mean, best case scenario, he was frustrated <laughs> about all the work he put into his shows, and he was tired of getting shit on all the time. Ferris created an allegory for his life that expressed frustrations of feeling like his hard work was unknown and never would be. George Clooney thought it would be fun to make a movie of the same name that played through the narrative to be entirely truthful. Although Barris could never prove his so-called secret life, he knew that people could never prove that he wasn't. Gong! You know, if Mr. Bunker's reviews are on the gong show, they'd get the gong pretty. (laughs) We'd get the gong real fast. I hope this gave you two some ideas for how to uh, get some more five-star reviews. (laughs) If we were on the gong show, we wouldn't get through the intro. That's true. We'd show up and we'd immediately get the gong. Yeah. <laughs> we'd get Walking the gong out on stage. Into the building. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, security would stop you at the door with a gong. <laughs> or you'd trip over the gong. <laughs> I like the security at the gong show. It doesn't have guns, they just have gongs. <laughs> Sir, you can't be in here. Gong. Yeah. Your act, I can already tell. Bing gong. <laughs> oh, so, are we feeling satisfied with everything so far? I seriously would like a beer. We're in an underground bunker, and I don't 
think there's any kind of fridge or anything. That's fine. I'd take a room temperature Schlitz. That's how they drink it in England. Sophisticated and like. John, if you actually want a beer, you have to stop talking so we can get on with the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're like, seriously, we get beaten and kidnapped and put in an underground bunker against our will with nothing to eat or drink and only an open-faced toilet to come for us until we complete the podcast. So We joke around a lot, but it's serious stuff, John. My throat's kind of dry. I need something to drink. Do you want some top tank toilet water? Mm, you don't want that, John. I just took an upper decker earlier. I'll just spit into a cup until there's enough for you to drink. Oh. <laughs> Let's move on, shall we? To the main course. It's going to be hard to eat after all that. <laughs> The main course of the evening is a large and well-known enchilada, the death of Hollywood starlet Natalie Wood. Born Natasha um, Zakarenko. <laughs> Did that on purpose. Zakarenko? Yeah, sure. Sure. Until some film executives changed her name to Natalie Wood. True story. Wood began acting at the age of five, winning the hearts and yeah, winning the hearts <laughs> Of audiences as a child working alongside Orson Welles. Andy, remember him? And acting. Yes, I remember Orson Welles. (laughs) Acting in classics like Miracle on 34th Street. She grew up in front of our eyes, or mm, more like Andy's eyes because he was the only one of us alive back then. (laughs) I'll never forget seeing her blossom into a strong young woman in movies like The Searchers and Rebel Without a Cause. Those were the good years. Post-World War II in Korea, before those damn hippies came in and ruined everything with their free love and their sideburns. I tried to grow sideburns once, but they just looked like two rabid squirrels attached to my face. It was then that I knew I was becoming too old for this new world. Perhaps several millennia on Earth is enough for me, but hey, maybe I'll take another millennium to decide if I should ascend already. Sending off the open face toilet, I hope. That's why you had to do the upper decker. I wouldn't get up. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, you were there while I was taking a shit. That's yeah. true. <laughs> Wood married Robert Wagner, who you may know as number two in Austin Powers. You know, who does number two work for? <laughs> Tom Arnold <laughs> is in the stall next to Austin thinking he's taking a shit. He says, like, tell that turd who's boss. Anyway, they got married when she was 19, but it only lasted 10 months after it was allegedly broken up by her affair with Warren Beatty, who you might know as the guy that fucked up the announcement for Moonlight as the Best Picture winner at the Oscars. Fast forward to 1981. Natalie had been married and divorced, then remarried Robert Wagner. And by this time, they both had families. It was a period in their life in which they were both working and were not together very often. She was filming a movie with Christopher Walken, Brainstorm, when there were rumors of an affair between them. So Natalie and Robert did what any couple would do in the middle of this romantic drama. Invite her co-star over and alleged lover onto a yachting vacation around Catalina Island with them. After a stormy night. Much like this very night. That is, if you're listening to the podcast on a stormy night. Otherwise, 
ignore what I just said. <laughs> Robert, Natalie, and Christopher got into an argument after many glasses of wine and possibly some quaaludes. Mm. Their love triangle finally broke, which is incredible because geometrically, triangles are the strongest shape. Yeah, true. Wow. <laughs> yeah. wow. Robert was so angry that he broke a wine bottle, and in his rage, he pushed his wife overboard. What was the tipping point of their argument? Who can say? But my guess is that it was the railing of the boat. Wow. Wow. I know. <laughs> the Coast Guard, the Highway that. Patrol, the police, and the Los Angeles coroner determined at the time the cause of death was accidental drowning. Nobody knows why she would have been taking the dinghy out that fateful morning. When and how did she get the bruises on her arms, body, and legs? Robert Wagner said he went to bed and did not realize Natalie was missing. Christopher Walken, however, has never been a person of interest and seems to be generally respected among all parties involved in the investigation. He spoke to, to the police, but they agreed to keep his statement secret. All he said publicly is, I don't know what happened. She slipped and fell in the water. I was in bed then. It was a terrible thing. As well as calling the conversation a fucking bore. Natalie's sister, Lana, has always been suspicious of Robert and is very outspoken about the fact that she thinks he killed her. In her book, Natasha, she lays out her suspicions. Quote, Natalie Wood's drowning was not an accident. Homicide detectives in the L.A. Sheriff's Department keep what they call a quote-unquote murder book, the official record of a homicide investigation. I was given access to Natalie Wood's murder book. There I found the buried clues to what really happened on the last weekend of her life. As the evidence slowly, painstakingly mounted, it became disturbingly clear to me that not only was Natalie's death not an accident, but the ensuing investigation was almost non-existent. Pictures of the head wound on her body indicated foul play, along with the bruises on her body. Lana wrote, and uh, to make this sound less terrible, I'm going to do my best Lana uh, impression. Okay. <laughs> bruises on Natalie's anterior thighs and shins. Bruises he described as friction burns. He told me what struck him as wrong. I remember the story. Striations were in the opposite direction of somebody trying to get onto a boat. It was almost like somebody being pushed off. And because of the significant amount of the bruising in the lower anterior thighs and shins, that's what caught my attention. She would have had to have been pushed forcefully off. Or there was a force that was pulling her <laughs> off. Or something. <laughs> the amount of noticeable bruising to the thigh shouldn't have been there. End quote. Wow. Wow. That was perfect. Thank you. I've, <laughs> I've done my research, too. Yeah, yeah. It felt like it should have ended with a, no, sir, no, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Bring me my parasol. <laughs> <laughs> All of this information came from an intern who was not interviewed by the police at the time, but after 40 years decided that coming forward was the right thing to do. When pointing this out to L.A. County Coroner Dr. Thomas Noguchi, 
Noguchi simply said, Some things are best left unsaid, indicating a cover-up! Wow. Also fueling the fire is the yacht skipper. Ooh, those yacht skippers. They love drama. Dude, and there's even a millionaire and his wife on the boat. <laughs> there's already a, a movie star. star. <laughs> Watch Below Deck for all other possibilities. <laughs> uh, Dennis Davern. Davern said he heard Wood and Wagner um, engage in a loud fight that night. And when it grew quiet, he went on the deck to find Wagner standing alone. He's just standing there menacingly. Wagner told him that Wood was missing, and when Davern suggested calling for help, Wagner blocked him from doing so. Later, he said Wagner instructed him on the story he would tell the police. That she must have slipped and fallen into the water by accident. It's also worth noting that in previous interviews with police, Davern has, uh, had said he saw Wagner shove her, but eventually retracted that statement. So what did the skeptics say? Well, it's worth noting that Lana and Dennis have multiple books, podcasts, and other media on the subject. Media that they both profit from financially. Wood's daughters are the most outspoken about their Daddy Wagner's innocence. Yes, Daddy Wagner. It's a long story. We don't have time to get into it. Right. Daddy Wagner. They made their own documentary on the subject in 2020, Natalie Wood, What Remains Behind where they outlined their thoughts. They had a loving family, and they've never sensed any hostility from their father regarding their mother. A blow-up of this kind simply makes no sense to them. Wood's daughters mentioned that the dinghy was always banging against the boat, and it really bothered her. Most likely, she had too much wine and a sleeping pill, went to secure the dinghy, and fell in. As simple and tragic as that. In 2011, the case was reopened, and Wagner was named a person of interest. The case has since been closed, ruling Wagner, a.k.a. Daddy Wagner, out as a subject, but changing the cause of death from accidental drowning to drowning and other undetermined factors. Was I the only one laughing when he said dinghy? Yes. Yes. Really? Somebody died. (laughs) The dinghy was banging against the boat. And there was Lana. I don't get why that's funny. (laughs) Look, Ian, we know you go down to the marina and you bang your ding dong against every boat you can find. Just the one. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, wowee, that was a lot of enchilada, hot and steamy stuff. By which I mean temperature, not sexiness. (sighs) I am stuffed with conspiracy rice and beans. Oh, wow. I'm full. Hollywood full. Hollywood full? What does that mean? Oh, uh, nothing, I guess. I just made it up. I'm just full. Regular full. I'm not amazed by the movie and TV paraphernalia on the walls as much as I am amazed that anyone bothered to save this stuff. The muffler from my mother, the car. Wait, if the mother was the car, then what part of her body does that make her body? Oh, ew. 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 The asshole. <laughs> ew. 
Wow. But look at this. Kevin Costner's handlebar mustache from Dances with Wolves. And look, there's even bits of skin on it from when they ripped it off his face. That's pretty cool. And look, Val Kilmer's career. Oh, that's where it's been. You think you would have said something. Boys. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, God, John. Wait, I don't <laughs> get it. <laughs> do you actually, or are you doing a bit? Uh... I feel like you do get it. Do you have throat cancer? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's what that was. <laughs> can't speak. Boys, it's time for dessert. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I can. My tummy. Oh, my tummy, Ian. Don't worry. Right. I only brought one slice with three forks. We have the curse of James Dean's car, little bastard. What better way to die? It's fast and clean, and you go out in a blaze of glory. Guess who said that? It was James Dean regarding how dying in a high-speed crash wouldn't be so bad. And wouldn't you know it, that's how he famously died. Dean's passion for racing possibly surpassed his love of acting. After several semi-professional races, Warner Brothers barred him from racing during the production of his final film, Giants. After wrapping the movie, he bought a 1955 Porsche 550 Spider for an upcoming race. Driving south, Dean and his mechanic planned a route with minimal traffic so that he could practice with the car and get a handle on how it feels at high speeds. Unfortunately, that route did not account for a student, Donald Turnipspeed. Yes, that's his name. I don't know why you're laughing. Who was turning left? Dean and his car collided head-on into the passenger side, spinning across the pavement. While Dean's passenger and Donald came out of the wreck relatively okay, James was not so lucky. He hit his head on the steering wheel, breaking his neck and fracturing his skull. James Dean went on to be nominated for two posthumous Oscars. But we're not talking about him. We're talking about his car and how Dean was only its first victim. The accident had turned Little Bastard into a twisted and compressed hunk of metal, and it was declared a total loss. William Esrich purchased the entire car for parts. The engine was put into a Lotus 9. Mid-transfer, the engine slipped, breaking one of the mechanic's legs. Suspension parts were also sold to Troy Lee McHenry for use in his Porsche race car. Almost 11 months after Dean's death, both men crashed in the very same race. The little bastard had claimed another life as Troy Lee McHenry's Porsche hit the only tree on the racetrack on the very first lap. George Barris had bought the mangled frame of the car. Two of the tires he sold blew out on its driver at the same time, causing an accident. The body of the car was given to the National Safety Council chapter in L.A. as a display. Traveling from car show to car show. Even while stationary, this car was wrecking havoc as the body of the car fell multiple times, breaking the hip of a bystander and another time killing a truck driver named George Barkus, who was transferring the body to a road safety expo. But what do the skeptics say? Well, that George Barris made up some of these stories after he owned the car in order to raise its mystique and thus its value. And some skeptics also say that curses don't exist. So it can't be a curse. Just a bunch of coincidences. 
Four courses of conspiracy enchilada, and I am stuffed. Oh, boy. Hey, don't worry, John. We'll get you something to drink soon. Actually, actually, I'm good with Andy's spit. I think I like it. I think I like it a lot. Okay. Well, uh, that's not really how I thought the research portion would end, but... Uh... Uh, 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 wait just a second. I've got a little refreshment for you. No. No more. I'm so stuffed full of enchilada. My poor colon could burst. Oh, but Andy, it's just a teeny tiny wafer thin bit of enchilada left. <laughs> I think you will enjoy. Oh. Okay. Bob Crane, the lead in Hogan's Heroes, used to secretly videotape himself and his friend having sex with many women over the years. They would spend their free time re-watching the tapes together. While the murder was never solved, people speculated it was his friend, John Henry Carpenter, that bashed his head in. <laughs> My colon! <laughs> Dear God! Help us all! He's gonna blow! Folks, sometimes truth can be stranger than anything they could dream up in La La Land. And sometimes, Hollywood can pervert and distort the truth in order to sell you something. Whatever the truth is, tread lightly in Hollywood. Or else you could end up covered in a whole heaping helping of Hollywood enchilada. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Ever heard of Stoicism? 
Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Welcome back. That was the research portion of our Hollywood hunka hunka burning conspiracies episode um ian john what are you thinking about hollywood conspiracies well i'm thinking uh that's the first script where one of you died at the end i think well (laughs) that's what you think i mean if you ask our critics we die during every script right i saw that natalie wood documentary that was, oh, wow. It was something. It definitely played more like a please don't put my dad in jail sort of document. Really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. How it, close to the staircase do you feel like it is? I didn't watch the staircase. So wow. I would say as far away from the staircase as possible because wow. one I watched and the other I didn't. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wait. Art, have you seen the staircase? Oh, yeah. <gasps> I've seen all the staircase documentaries, and then I also saw the Colin Firth, Tony Collette, um, Sasha, Sansa Stark, and all the other great actors and actresses that were in that show. Uh, What's the staircase remake? What's the staircase? Uh, it's the uh, Michael Peterson murder of his of his wife, Kathleen Peterson, alleged murder, I should say, where in that he was a very well known. Uh, author of like Vietnam War stories because he was a Vietnam veteran. And so he was very wealthy and he lived in in North Carolina. And then, um, you know, he, he gets into a little bit of, there's some controversy with him with his like political career. And then like eventually he, his wife is found dead at the bottom of their stairs. And it is like a gruesome fucking murder. I mean, there's blood everywhere. And the whole thing is just, it's like the whole trial was televised in that French, a French team of documentarians who had won an Oscar for their documentary work um, decided to make a documentary about the trial. And they basically like lived with Michael and his family throughout the course of the trial. The trial lasted a really long time. And the, you know, there's stuff on both sides with how the different, um, how the DA's office tried to pin it on him and how... The defense tried to, and then all this stuff about his personal life got dug up. Turns out he's bisexual. That became a big oh thing. Oh my God. Right. And so a lot of dirty laundries aired, a lot of different things. Eventually he is found guilty, spoiler alert. Uh, and so he goes to prison. He appeals it over the course of multiple years. Eventually he takes an Alford plea, which is a very controversial thing and a very unique thing in the law. What? 
where you I've never heard of Batman's this. Butler. Yeah. Yes, an Al Ford plea, which is basically like you saying, hey, I'm guilty, but like, I'm going to like say I'm guilty just to like get this over with, but I get to go free. Oh, it's where they make like a bargain. You plead guilty to this and we won't put you in prison. No, he was in prison for like 12 years, but he gets like time served. Kind of basically. It's basically saying like, hey, listen, I'm going to take a guilty plea just because like. It's basically like you have to basically say I'm guilty of this, but mm-hmm. then you also say, but the evidence doesn't add up that I'm actually guilty. So it's sort of like no contest. Kind of, but you have to say the words I'm guilty. Right. Which is like, <laughs> but Andy, you're making a joke of it, but like it's actually a big part of it because he's like pissed. Like Michael Peterson maintains his innocence throughout the whole thing. Anyway. Yeah, that's like a common um, legal thing when people take a plea deal and then they're like, it's different than a plea I'm deal, saying, though. I want to stress I'm saying that. I'm guilty, and or they're pleading guilty, and then they're like, oh, right. so you did it. And they're like, no, I didn't do it. I just uh, I just wanted to take this deal. I just said deal. I was guilty. I don't have the legal jargon to explain how it's different than saying uh, you are guilty in, in the eyes of the law. You have to say the words, I am guilty of this, but only because there is no, like, it's something like that. It's crazy. But only it's like, because I'm you're guilty making of this, me. But only because you're basically making me and there's no other evidence to help get me off, and I've served all this time. So it's like a it's like a child apologizing. Kind of, yeah. I'm only saying I'm sorry because you're making me. Right. <laughs> but he doesn't, like, he has to say that publicly, like, I'm guilty. So that's a big, he served, like, 12 years in prison for What this. a perfect system. Like, what a perfect, righteous system. Well, but then the question still remains, you know, did he do it? And at the end, you don't really know. You don't really know. Only the staircase will know. Only the staircase. So that's, anyway, that long diatribe, I think that the Natalie Wood thing has some um, commonality with that story. I I thought maybe Only the dinghy knows. Yeah, only the dinghy (laughs) knows. Or Christopher Walken. Or Ian's dinghy. Wow. Yeah. You know, I thought it was interesting. No, I've had Catalina dressing, but that's it. Um, I thought it was interesting reading about Christopher Walken's reaction to this because he got asked about it in like a 1986 people magazine interview and i mean maybe this is just the the interviewer putting this on him but the whole time he's getting described as like an intense smoldering person yeah like he's not he's never described really as being like friendly i guess yeah sort of how i interpreted it and the interviewer sets it up as I asked him about, I brought up Natalie Wood's death and him being on the boat. And then he says the thing that was quoted in the research, you know, that she fell off the boat and I was, and then he's like, and then the the interviewer writes something like, and then he looks at me with steely eyes and he says, now we're talking, I'm paraphrasing now. I don't remember exactly the quote, but it's like, now, now we're talking about it. Now we're having a conversation I'm not going to have. It's a fucking bore. Wow. And that's at the end of yeah. The, the fact that he called it a fucking bore is it's just crazy weird. to me. He's one of those guys, along with like Morgan Freeman, who have had like late career resurgences as like ah, like they're, but then like Morgan Freeman's like apparently had some super bad controversies earlier in oh, his yeah, life. He's like married to uh, I don't actually he remember married what like they a were. thirteen year. He's like Jerry Lee Lewis, right? He married like thirteen year old. There was like, some sexual assault allegations. Well, relative they of his. said that he slept with his granddaughter and then oh, she died right. in a car accident. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. he 
killed her, which is like Morgan Freeman hasn't been canceled, but I think that he has taken a step back because of all that. So it's right. a, it's a crazy thing that I don't actually hear about too often, but like it's out there. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a very I mean, this is like probably the meatiest one. Obviously, it was the the main chorus. I think a lot of the appetizers and hors d'oeuvres are fun. Urban legends. We can definitely discuss them. But this Natalie Wood murder, I mean, it's very this um, one probably could have been its own episode. Truly. Could have, I mean, yeah. like I left out a lot of stuff in order to try to just make the story uh, move smoothly. You sure. know, John Polking, what's your gut check on Give us Robert, that gut check. on Robert Wagner? Robert, you think he did it? I think that if if he did, which I'm not saying he did, if probably, I did it by Robert Wagner, if, <laughs> if I did it, <laughs> I'm always number two. Uh, <laughs> no, I I would be surprised if he was like super fucked up at the time too, and like maybe he. You know, just taking those lewds, washing them down with a couple decade old barrel aged bourbon. Well, even in the the documentary, John, because I saw it, too. He was like, oh, we went to the mainland. I had a couple glasses of wine. We went back to the yacht. I had more wine. Then we opened up a bottle of wine. Then I broke the bottle of wine because I was so mad at Christopher Walken. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about it. It's like, I think that. You know, it, this feels like a um, like a like a peek behind the curtain of like the Hollywood of yesteryear, where it was like these people were all just like the most just debaucherous, fucked up, just you know, fucking people. And it's kind of like a BoJack Horseman thing, where it's like, yeah, Christopher Walken slept with my wife, but I got mad, I broke a bottle of wine, shit happens. What are you gonna do? It's like it's Hollywood. We're best baby. friends now. Yeah, we're best friends now. Do, do you think you know. that's why Walken's so cagey about it? Is because you know, he's been married to like the same person since 1969 or something. Nice. Do you, th- oh. do you think that this is do you think that this is why he's so cagey about it is because Yeah, I mean he they, would have to admit that he was having an affair with Natalie. Well, he Wood. has a public he has a team who is probably like, "Listen, Chris, don't talk about this stuff. Like you were on the site of a very controversial murder. Let's just nope. let it die out. Death. 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 Art's, Art's showing his cards a little Alleged bit. Alleged murder. <laughs> well, and um you know, it reminds me so, of yeah. Of course, um, he's going to be like, "Oh, I'm not going to talk about that." Stop asking me about it. Like with the Roman Polanski stuff, like that was at Jack Nicholson's house, I believe, and Angelica oh, Houston really? was there when it happened. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, right, like it's like everyone was around, and uh, yeah. and Roman Polanski enjoyed a lot of defense from Hollywood elites. People are still defending him to this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really don't get it. It was the, it's like the, it was a more of a culture, I feel like, with those sort of old yesteryear of Hollywood thing. Yeah. Not like the assault. No, I'm just saying like, like they were a. I'm not laughing at you, John. I'm just laughing at Andy. <laughs> I just don't. Get, I just really don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> it's. You're like, oh, here, this guy is literally being charged with. I mean, what was it like? I think I get what you're trying to say. Yes. Like sexually torturing a Typically Hollywood, if there's any kind of controversy whatsoever. Well, I don't know. I think it goes both ways, actually. I, maybe I retract that statement. It was sometimes if somebody gets a little heat, such a all, good artist, all your fucking friends suddenly they're not your friends anymore. They're like, ah, I didn't really know him that well, but now all of a sudden they're like, no, I'm sticking up for this guy. He's innocent. Yeah, that's, Look, su- if I was that's such Polanski a good artist. And, some- and like the well, that's not the guy I knew is such right. a huge 
thing. What did what did he make that makes people so? I don't know anything about Roman Polanski or his films. Rosemary's Baby, I believe. Oh, he won an Oscar after he had uh, fled the country for the pianist. Pianist, the Adrian Brody. That was Adrian Brody movie. He did that movie. Yeah, he um, I'm, did he direct Chinatown? I can't remember. Yes, um, he did. Yes. And oh, then, Chinatown's a great fucking movie. Yeah. Holy Actually, shit. Actually, yeah. Art's starting to change his tune. Well, let's see. Let's review the evidence on this guy, and then let's... It is the, know, look, if it I is the separate the art from the artist thing, though. Or, the, well, or, yeah, the, or you can't separate art from art. You can't. Yeah. No. I mean, like, I could say, okay, I can recognize that Roman Polanski's maybe a good director and stuff. But like I can't defend him. No, no, absolutely well, like, not. If I was if I was accused of what Roman Polanski's accused of, and people were like coming to my defense, I would be like, "What's wrong with you?" We all watch fucking sports here, okay? Like, listen, we all separate stuff from stuff every single day. Like, let's, true, you know, everybody does it. It's fine. Yeah, it's but it's you know you you know it, it, to to do it on that level with Hollywood though, where they're kind of like it's within your own circle. It's kind of like you could be like, "Hey, I'm not going to do his movies," or. With Woody Allen too. That's another controversial yeah. figure. You're gonna be like, you know what? Well, you know what? It's like one. it's like separate the art from the artist. You know, like I know Art and Andy to be good people, but I also know Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast to be an abomination of humanity. Huh. Right. Yeah. So even though it's so hateful, hmm. the podcast it's so spiteful. People uh-huh. want to uh-huh. dump on it so regularly. Uh, I. Yeah. Don't put it on my resume because I can't, you know, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want uh, people to know. I don't yeah. tell any of my friends right. or family that I do it, right, but right. I know oh. you two are, are good guys. And oh, I, uh, you know, e- even oh. though that you have undoubtedly harmed the human mm-hmm. race mm-hmm. and possibly mm-hmm. made us now all beyond the grace of God at this point, mm-hmm. um, D- yeah. Like Jesus can only die for so many sins, you know. Ian actually to get me here, he told me I was talking to Sarah Koenig, uh, and I was woefully. It was a it was a powerful uh, ruse. Uh, oh, you thought this was cereal? Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I was really. No, 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 I told him Captain Crunch would be you, here too. You idiot! It's breakfast cereal that we get worked <laughs> yeah. up about. This is oop. This is Mister Bunker's conspiracy time. Oops, all conspiracies. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, that this kind of Hollywood stuff, like, I don't know, I, I don't want to put the cart before Kill Hamlet in the first act, as we would say, but, you know, it's it's got some meat on it. I think I think it definitely could do its own topic one day, and we could dig into it, but, um, you know, it's, it's some sketchy stuff. And I mean, the kids being kind of like, no, it's like, that's why I brought up the staircase, is because a big part of the staircase is like, Michael Peterson's family defended him for a long time. His kids like maintained his innocence and fought for him. Obviously, their their whole relationship gets very fractured over the course of it. It's a great documentary series and an even better job. Not an even better job, but an, an equally as good of job as recreating the story on HBO Max with Colin Firth and Tony Collette. I mean, just those stars alone. You know it's going to be good and well acted. And it is. Um, and they're going to do American accents, right? Because, oh, they're so good. Yeah. Tony um, I, I was like, why does voice? somebody need to make a show about the staircase? Like the story's over. It's like, no. I don't know. Why they, make a good. lifetime movie starring Rob Lowe as Drew Peterson? You never know. We'll never know. 
Some things are best left, best left unsaid. We don't need to know the answer to that question. But, but <laughs> we just the, need to know that it exists. The kids, you know, obviously kids have a complicated relationship with their parents. Outside of your parents being, you know, multiple divorced fucking Hollywood starlets and what a weird upbringing that is. So obviously I think, you know, I'm not say, I'm not trying to put anything on anyone's relationship with their family, but it's like, you know. It would be a hard pill to swallow as a child to accept that. Right. If you didn't think of your father as a murderous type. Well, stepfather. So, yeah. yeah well, that's like, you know, why there's the daddy Wagner and the daddy. Oh, I can't remember the other guy. But so. Oh, yeah. She divorced. Beatty. No, no, no. She had a different no. husband whose name I, I cannot oh, recall right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. a biological father. Right. Yeah. So she married him, had one of her children with him, divorced right. him. Got back with Robert Wagner, who had his own child or two as well. Then they had one or two more children together. So they had, mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's a little bit more of a the fucked Brady up Brady Bunch, right? A little bit more of a possibly murderous, more Brady yeah. Bunch. Uh, although it's a dysfunctional Brady Bunch. Alice I didn't know that was bad. That was that could be more murderous. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> the the football uh, throwing the football at the nose was not. Um, the, fir- the worst thing. Was that did? Alice? Did Alice throw the football? No, it was one of the kids. No, but Alice was, Alice was, I mean, this doesn't come up a lot in the show, <laughs> but Alice was slowly poisoning the <laughs> And after it went off the air, they all died yeah. in the canon of the show. That's why right? she was so happy all the time. She was like, right. it's happening. She knew what she was doing. She yeah. knew eventually that arsenic was going to catch up with them mm-hmm. and they would all die. <laughs> she worried for a little bit, like in the middle of the run, that they had started to build up an immunity, but uh, no. Nope. Right. It was it was clear. Alice yeah. won in the end. Alice, Alice won. Brady Bunch zero. All right. So uh, what does everybody feel about Christopher Walken's involvement? Coming back. I that? always thought it was weird, but. The police say he's cool. The sister says he's cool. The family you know, like, says everybody he's cool. Says it, right? Uh, Everybody's saying it, Ian. He, but he I'm like, just been the side piece. I, I don't know. know. I'm just like it weirds me. I'm like, it's it's it, it's sus. Okay. Oh, that one movie that the movie that the daughter directed. She interviewed mm-hmm. the director of the movie that uh, Christopher Walken. Brainstorm. And, yeah, of Brainstorm, and he said that there was a sex scene in the movie. And oh, yeah. even though he, <laughs> oh, fuck. He, <laughs> oh yeah. tell me about that sex scene. Oh, oh, I'm coming. Oh, uh, oh, yeah, everyone I, yeah, wants yeah. to see I, the hard ridges on Christopher Walken. I wonder if his pubes are, are slicked back as well as his hair. <laughs> they are. Um, Everything's slick. But he said that basically they had no physical chemistry. And so he was like, I hear all these rumors about an affair, but I directed them in a sex scene and they had no physical chemistry. Like, I cannot see that happening. That was kind of interesting to me. People say that about me with everyone. Like, Hmm. yeah, just they they don't want to see me around people in general. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It just kind of weirds them out. Like if I start approaching somebody, they run. Uh, It's it's a it's no, it's pretty common, I'd say. Yeah, I get that. That makes sense. To Thank me. you. Yeah, I feel like I give off that vibe, and it's it's the brand that I want to enforce for sure. Yeah, it's a smart it's a smart branding decision. Very good marketing decision. <laughs> Thank for you, you John. Thank you. Um. So, all right. So we've 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 talked a lot about um Robert Wagner, Natalie Wood, Christopher Walken, um, dinghies. Let's 
dinghies. We've 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 talked about dinghies ad nauseum. Uh, let's let's talk about some of these other conspiracies. What about James Dean's car? That one is super weird to me. I mean, that one is very. Also, I I think I left it out, but the mechanic that was also in the car ended up getting in a really bad car crash later as well. Uh, although I don't know if any of the parts of that car were involved, but. Um, yeah, that is really weird. I mean, do you think all these car people were just like psyched out by the fact that it was a famous car or, I mean, they also, the one guy died hitting a tree on the first lap. I think, I think it's more that cars have been insanely dangerous for a really long time. Especially back then. Yeah, yeah. Our only now, yeah, like the 1950s, like cars. Well, were, you you know, cars were super. Not, like, imagine just like a bench seat in a car, yeah. and there's not a seatbelt for right. anybody. You could just cram people in, and then like they're made. They weigh like eight thousand pounds, and they were made of full metal, all yeah. steel. Yeah, you go flying, yeah. flying through those windshields, like, like huge engines in them. Oh, you yeah. can get those things going. Just it. You don't realize that. Like I, I went to, uh, I was like, there was one of those. Um, I was at like a like a open market, and there was like one of those, you know, car shows where mm-hmm. people bring old school cars, and everyone oogles at them and takes photos of them and stuff. So you don't realize how fucking loud cars used to be. Like you think nowadays, you're like, ah, oh, like, but like those cars are really fucking loud. I mean, obviously these are kind of special cars, but like, man, they were just so loud. And everything rumbles, and it's sort of like, uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're fucking death traps. What now, was more dangerous, that that they, Andy, you know, horse and buggies or cars in the 50s? <laughs> um, well, for for people, cars. For horses, definitely horse and buggy. Yeah. It also because, depended what, how you treated the horses, right? Like, Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was a very cruel um, <laughs> livery driver. And, yeah, you were. You know. It's like horses horses almost become like a commodity, right? Like, you know, nobody, like, you're not going to take your... Uh, you didn't think of them as pets. Right, right. You're not going to take it to the vet. You just shoot it. Or you change its oil. It. And and you would do that... <laughs> you would do that kind of preemptively, even before the things got sick, as sort of like a... You want to keep you your stock fresh? You want to cycle these things, yeah. So it's like you take it out for... If you go, if you go one place and you come back and the horse is fine, you shoot it. Oh, it's, it's a very okay, tiger wait. king approach. Huh? Really huh? quick. I know you we don't want him to get worn out. I know we don't treat horses like, uh, you know, we don't treat horses as pets. But just in the way that people named cars, did they name horses? Absolutely. In that way. Right? Like, yes. But again, it's like, oh, this is Cindy. Betsy. But it's like, you know, she doesn't have a soul. Right. She's just Cindy. It's not Little Bastard, though. Yeah. You named a horse Little Bastard that's pulling a carriage. I'm a man. I imagine that's not a very great. What would be even worse is little Nikki. Can you imagine? Wow. Actually, I do know someone whose grandma had a dog that's name was an ethnic slur. Oh, Oh, wow. Cool. That's fun. Um, Which one? um, No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, say it on air, Ian, so we can capture that in audio form forever. Um, You know, I. I, I mean, her, her dog's name was Macaroni Rascal. <laughs> that I mean, I guess technically that is a derogatory term for Italian people, but I don't think it's actually <laughs> offensive in any capacity. Um, also, I'm Italian. So, um, uh, the car. 
The car. So you're selling all these parts. <laughs> you're selling all these fucking parts that are like, I don't know. I, I guess I'm not a car. Like I'm obviously not a car guy, but like they're damaged parts. And people are like, oh, I want that. Give me that fucking frame. I'm going to put that in my race. That's a good car. point. I'm kind of like. Car people are weird, like, Why would you though? do that? Car people are weird. Like, I don't car know. I don't. Weird. I'm not a, a car person, so I could throw rocks from across the river. But I. Right. Just and then what are they going to do? Drive over the river? No, <laughs> there's no, no bridge. bridge. There's no bridge. And they don't and know they how to swim, swim. or walk. Focused on their engines. They're car people. They don't know how to walk or swim. Fucking losers! You can't become an airplane person. Then maybe we'll be scared. <laughs> yeah, try a submarine. See how that feels on you. Yeah. Try a submarine. The- oh no! Here comes the submarine person. He's covered in cold cuts and vegetables. <laughs> oh no! He's unlocking the airlock, and then he has to go through the other door as well. <laughs> He's decompressing. He'll be over here in two and a half hours. <laughs> uh, don't worry. When he gets to you, he's already got the bends anyway. So, <laughs> but car, pe- no, yeah, car, car people, no, car people just, it's the memorabilia of it. It's it. They put so much it value is. onto this thing that I don't put any value on myself, but it's like that sort of what it's that thing that you have that nobody else can have and yeah. that i think is i have james dean's car yeah like it's in my car and that is well, he was a racer and i got his part yeah you know whatever yeah. motivates that it is it is def- the exclusivity of it is a powerful one especially when you're you know yeah. heads all full of sheet metal or whatever cars have. i, I would take like a like a like a I was literally going to say that too. I was a like steering wheel, the, the manual. Or, why would you take the frame or the engine of something that crashed? Because it's a big bottle opener. That's how you open kegs. <laughs> you, you put what? one end of the frame on the on the tap, and then you jump on the other end, and the, it pops it up. Dude, the car after the crash does look like if you took a pop can and twisted it in half and ripped the metal, Jeez. you know. I've never looked it's at it. It's pretty bad. I, was Little Bastard a custom job? Um, You know what? He had actually bought it, like, I think a week before the accident. Um, cause Holy tits. Yeah, no this thing shit. got fucked so the, up. So the, yeah. the reason wow. that he was driving it on this route was he had to drive to Southern California for this race. And they were like, hey, you just bought this car. You need to, like, get a feel for the car before you do this race. So let's drive it on this sort of longer, more remote route so that you can fucking speed down California and feel how the car handles. And let's hope nobody turns left. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things about early days of racing like that. Like if you watch, um, fucking Ford versus Ferrari, that movie, I I really like that movie. And that movie with uh, Chris Hemsworth and oh Sebastian, the Ron Howard oh, directed one. Come on, yes, Rush, Rush. Rush. Oh, it's called Rush, gonna... and that's a fantastic movie too. I think racing movies they make for an amazing stories because those guys are they're fucking nuts. Uh, you have to be like fucking crazy and have um, you know tits and balls of steel and fucking big honking dicks and fucking tight little sphincter assholes, you know, made of gold. Yeah. Um, you know, and where are you going with this? <laughs> oh, sorry. He's, I got lost. No, he just was uh, on the NASCAR website. and was looking at the qualifications. <laughs> <laughs> just got to- but to get into a car and be like, dude, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to race at like 200 plus miles an hour. And this thing could crash at any moment. If there's like even a drop of water and I don't have the right tire, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's insane. So, and even back then it was just, I can't even imagine. So, 
um, I think I don't want to I don't want to sound rude, but it's like this is almost like an inevitability. You you are throwing caution to the wind. I mean, a a a a open road, and you're just like, yeah, go test it out, James Dean. See what happens. Hopefully, no one yep. shows up. It's like, dude, you know it what reminds though? me of it reminds me of like, at night, like <laughs> uh, like anyone see Free Solo? Yes, like, I did not, but I'm familiar okay, with the story. But there's so there's the idea, Alex Honnold, the guy that the subject of it. They literally take him to the doctor and say. The part of your brain that is supposed to like have fear is basically non-existent, and I do yeah, genuinely I think that that sort of chemical yeah. lack of inhibition is really does drive people. You have drive to. people. Yeah. Boo! Yeah. I do not want to watch that free solo movie. Oh my god! It scares it's, the shit out of it's me. It's terrifying. These guys are Yo, nuts. It scares I, the shit out. They're of me. nuts. I saw a screening of that movie uh, actually with the editor. The, it was a Q&A with the editor afterwards, and I asked him, I was like, how do you edit a movie to build the stakes as it goes on when the subject matter is so stressful to begin with? You know, like the first shot of that movie. It's a pretty insightful he, question, actually. Yeah, it was. And the rest of the, frankly, it was a great question. And the rest of the questions <laughs> were asked by stupid All right, I'm trying to compliment students. you, but now you're, you're being an Ian about yeah. it. <laughs> No, I, I know. I'm I'm complimenting myself and I'm putting everyone else down. That's how I work. Uh, but I don't exactly remember his answer. Oh, oh yeah. Right. Right. There it is. Yeah. Way to. Yep. There we go. So really, Ian, that's the whole ad story is Ian asked a cool question. Ian, like, look at, listen to this great question. I, I don't remember what the answer was. <laughs> no, it was just like kind of no, a you're right, cool though, Ian. I mean, it's question that's it's, not worth like recounting, you know. It, I mean, it's. But it was worth I mean, bringing up. Sweating, so just thanks, for, thanks for. Thanks for. Making sure that we knew that you said that. <laughs> you know why? Why does this engine fall on people and other I, I dude mean, in the chat? Is this real when though? It's, uh, when it's stationary, fucking kills people. Isn't chassis the, a, a horse and buggy term, or is that a actual Andy? Oh, it's both. Okay. It's okay. both. <laughs> Are we thinking that George Barris is a bit of a a? like a carnival barker with this thing, taking this car on Maybe. tour yeah. that all these stories are like, come see the mysterious car whose engine broke the leg of a mechanic. I have and heard that James George Barris is 80% sideburns. So that does track. <laughs> is he related to Chuck Barris? Who? I don't know. Oh, that'd be a fun tie. Who is yeah. that? Chuck, Chuck Barris, the, George Barris? The, the subject of the other. Oh my God. The gong show. Jeez. Wow, I didn't even put that together. Were you too busy oh, watching How's no. Your Mother-in-Law? <laughs> my favorite No, child. my mother the car. My mother And another rival one she? and done podcast that didn't last very long. It's called My Mother the Podcast. Don't look it up. Wow. <laughs> well, now I have to. I feel compelled. No. And why do you keep do doing you think this? George Barris is Do you think George Barris is just a liar, Ian? Uh, sure. Okay. Wow. Fuck you, George Barris. Fuck you, George Barris. Let's talk about his brother, Chuck. <laughs> Chucky, producer of The Gong Show, How I Met Your Mother-in-Law, uh, <laughs> and many other TV shows. Have you ever seen the movie? Um, what Confessions movie? of a Dangerous Mind? Movie? Yeah. George Clooney oh, no, directed a movie starring Sam Rockwell mind. that's based on the autobiography, and they're like, we're just going to treat it as if it's 100% real. And uh, it's a right. great movie. 
Really? It's one oh, of those, I love Sam Rockwell. It's one of those movies that like I love and can't remember any second of. Thank it. you. Me too. Wow. Oh. When did it come out? 2002. Uh, it was like 2002. Yeah. Wow. It was George Clooney's first uh, directing gig. We'll check His it out. directorial debut? Yeah, it was before it was the movie he did before Good Night and Good Luck, I think. Is it like a thriller? Yeah. It's played like oh. a thriller. Mm. Yeah, because With like a like a tongue-in-cheek thriller, like kind of like a I don't mm-hmm. know, like a Coen Brothers thriller. Kind of. Oh. But they, terms of but they're, yeah, but they're like playing it straight. Yeah. Like, it's like, this is, we're just going to assume that in this universe. But it's not like burn after real. reading. No, it's not like comedy. It's like, it's oh, like a okay, drama okay. with silly elements to it. Right. Uh, because it's like, because here I am being thing. a CIA agent, assassinating people, being on a covert operation. And now I'm hosting the gong show. So who did Chuck Barris claim to have killed? Name you know, names. Uh, I can't remember. I saw the movie, um, but there, I basically he just says he's an international hitman that he was sent to like Southeast okay. Asia and South America, mm, and you know, just know. who who does the CIA need dead? Uh, you know, those people. you know, I think- they always go hard on like, oh, I'm a spy, I'm a killer for the CIA, but the CIA is predominantly made up of like dorks who are like analysts and like. People looking over like financial records. It's and, and then there's like no one's ever like, oh, I was an office manager for the CIA. Like they have office managers. They yeah. have people who are like, hey, uh, Frank, you need any more pencils? <laughs> the FBI too. It's like they're most of them yeah. are Tom Hanks and Catch Me If You Can. You know, the bulk of the the yeah, the bulk of the FBI is like financial crimes. Right. Well, you know, I consider myself a little bit of an expert on the U.S. intelligence community. Um, well, I, you know, no, I'm not a part of it, but. I know a few things, right? Like you can learn some. Is this stuff. what you'll say in your autobiography? Yeah, this is all part of my autobiography. Fake it till you make it or don't. <laughs> More like don't make it. Uh, yeah. Don't make it until you don't More fake like it. More like the U.S. Unintelligence oh, Society. Fake it until you don't make it I, and then everyone just thinks you're a fucking liar. <laughs> That's it. That's the title. I guess my point here is that when you're doing secret agent work like you're a spy for one of these intelligence agencies it's really an asset uh if you're a celebrity and you're well known <laughs> like elvis um, with because, Nixon. <laughs> right like what the cia is really looking for is people who are instantly spotted yeah. and draw attention to themselves yeah, 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 yeah. when they go someplace <laughs> yeah or or it takes a lot of effort for them to disguise themselves right. because they have, you know, unknown appearance. We saw that with our Lake City Quiet Pills episode where we, uh, you know, basically looked over an actual <laughs> fucking intelligence community like assassination attempt and every single one of those operatives looks like the most basic, boring, unrecognizable person on the planet. Yeah. Like they all look most generic so, human beings. Yeah, they just look generic and normal and you would never be able to pick them out in a crowd. Right. You're right. Well, you would know that being a huge James Bond fan, a thing that you don't like to bring up, but that you actually are. Yeah, yet another thing I kept a secret from you. You did. Yeah. You did. Of all the game show hosts... Uh, Maybe you are actually part of the intelligence community because you keep so many secrets. I have so many secrets and I'll never tell them all. Are there any <laughs> current game show hosts uh, that you think could be spies? Steve Harvey. Why? I was just about to say, why are they Steve Guy Harvey? Fieri. Damn it. The teeth. Guy Fieri. Yeah. Guy Fieri. <laughs> Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri. <laughs> Guy Fieri. CIA operative Guy Fieri. Actually, you know what? Um, I'm headed Jane Lynch. Call your mommy. I'm about to shoot you full of pastrami. <laughs> it's bullets, actually. <laughs> I'm headed to Syria. 
and I'm going to do a secret covert operation <laughs> on the Turkish government. But I need you riding shotgun. You're my meat shield. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that's a good one. Um, who are current game show hosts? We got uh, John Michael I, I Higgins, loved... Elizabeth Banks. Uh, Jan Lynch. Oh, she, yeah. um, oh, does she host that and, rebooted. Uh, right. Yeah. She does the new Weakest Link. Uh, we have canceled like Chris Hardwick. I... He, still, he still hosts the the game. Or, I don't know. Something LeBron I think James they produces. The wall. Yeah. But it was it was still going this past year, John. So yeah. it was going longer than you thought I, it was. Dwayne Wade uh, hosts the Cube. What? Oh yeah, he does. What the it's, fuck? Yeah, game shows suck fucking <laughs> dick now, dude. Game shows used to be so fucking legit. I used to love game shows as a kid. My my family and I we'd watch Lingo. We liked Lingo. We liked all the game shows, man. Lingo, De- dude. Deal, I love Lingo. Or no, we're always watching That's Lingo. Like loved all the game shows. Lingo. We would watch Lingo every night. Lingo I... went hard, motherfucker. Hey, at least Supermarket you'd, Sweep you'd is still on You fucking suck on Lingo. He's a shit. Yeah, Supermarket Sweep. Oh, uh, Deal or No Deal was great. Now that was a game show. How, who wants to be a millionaire? Come why, on. Why don't you like current game shows? They're just not as, they don't have the same pizzazz. The original Weakest Link with that British lady. Oh, so sassy. Why do you say they don't have the same pizzazz? Though? They don't. Have you watched them? Because no. every okay. game show now is just trying to be a different game show from before. It's all been done. Right. So they're like, how can we take that thing and just twist it a little bit to try to get people to watch it because they think they're watching that other thing? Even Bob Saget's One Verse 100 was fucking great. I do. I think game shows game show. like modern game shows peaked with Who Wants to Be a Mil- Millionaire and uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was indirectly involved in the cancellation of two of the shows that Ian and I have covered on the podcast. It's true. On our podcast. By like stealing ratings? Uh, wow. one, Don't spoil it. Let the listeners go listen to those episodes. Well, what are the shows? What are the shows? Freaks and Geeks. They, Freaks really? and Geeks aired against uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which is wow. nuts. And then the other was uh, Clerks, right, Ian? Yes, oh, because the animated series. ABC oh. was like, oh, um, after people watch Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, they'll want to watch this cartoon based off of this 90s indie movie. Well, and also <laughs> Who Wants to Be a Millionaire yeah. kind of catapulted to ABC from like the last place. Oh, that's right. First place network. And then everyone was like, well, we don't give a shit about this like raunchy animated show that we gave a couple episodes too. So we're just going to dump it for more and more and more. Yeah, trivia. that's right. The conclusion in that uh, episode is basically when you're number four, you'll take risks, but when you're number one, you'll play it very safe. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and another one and done game show. I think that we could do is, are you, are you going to cover game shows? Would well, you could yeah. consider well, covering Rob Lowe show? did. He had some sort of show where it was like, he hosted uh there's like a giant machine that people had to like beat or climb or it had like traps or something in it. Oh man, we should put that on the list. Are you sure this was a real show and you didn't have a nightmare about this? Dude, fan fiction. Yeah. He talked about it in his Mark Marin episode. So I I have this superpower with podcasts where I always remember where I was when yeah, I listened what's, to what's them. What's the deal with your podcast? It's me, Mark Marin. What's the deal with your game show? What What are you doing with the game show? You beat off a bunch of robots? What's the deal? 
I'm Mark Marin. I'm so fucking unhappy. Don't you want to listen to me talk? He really can't interview women. He's very bad at it. <laughs> he can't interview in- improvisers either. It always fucking drives me nuts when he goes like, so what are you doing, little skits? God, can you just fucking chill the fuck out? Jesus Christ. Yeah, I really only tune in if it's like a big name that I don't know much about fuck. now. Good Lord. I did see him do stand up at the comedy store oh, a few weeks ago bit. as part of like a lineup of other and he had some he had some good bits. He was talking He's he's chilled, he's mellowed he out. He has. And he, he's, he's a little he's, bit more self flagellating too. Like he was yeah. talking about vaccines or something and he was like, I used to pick glass out of my cocaine. No, I don't have an opinion about the mRNA vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a good line. That's a good bit. A really good line. Um what other fucking what else did we fucking cover? We talked about we talked about Chuck Barris, we talked about George Barris and the little bastard. We talked about Natalie Wood and Robert Wagner. And we have one more conspiracy to cover art. Do you remember what it was? Uh no. John, do you remember what it was? It was about uh, a Confederacy of Dunces, a book that I have never uh, read. That's right. And I John don't feel remembered. like reading. Honestly, I okay, so I got five chapters into it. Because our friend Liam, mm-hmm. shout out Liam, uh, bought it for me for Christmas shout last out, year. Shout out, shout out shout proud out, patron of the show. Shout out, proud patron of the show. Good, good all around good guy, I think. I yeah. As far as I know. Shout out one third of the greatest PUBG team that ever existed to win a fucking chicken dinner. Liam Harden. <laughs> and and uh, he, so he bought me the book and I read the first <laughs> five chapters of it. And it's actually very good. <laughs> But it's kind of dense, and I I got too far away from it where I was like, fuck, I'm going to have to start over if I'm going to keep reading. So I just never got back into it. Mm-hmm. It's actually very good. Uh, what's, the, what's, the, um, what's the synopsis? Um, basically, it's just this dude, Ignatius, thinks he's smarter than everyone else and uh, has a lot of loud opinions, but also is like lives with his mom and is jacking off all the time. Like... Okay. And he, I don't know. He talks like huh. he's out of the Middle Ages or something like that. Huh? Uh, I can't help but huh. think. So he's an incel. Yes. So he's Andy. Milady <laughs> talks like an old person. Right. Thinks he's smarter than everybody. Uh. He's jerking off all the time. <laughs> yeah. I told you. That's why I put it in the script. It's a great, uh, great character for Andy. <laughs> Mo- mostly the fact that he's so emotionally immature. <laughs> like we were talking off podcast about how Andy's had the same haircut for fifty years, and uh, yeah, that has to do with his emotional. Right, maturity. it's the Arrested right. Development that he got to the haircut and then he never kept growing. <laughs> if I would mature a little bit, I would change my hairstyle. Yeah, you get a mohawk like a cool person. Anyway, um, but what's weird about this one too is that there are three other or two or three other scripts that m- several of them have all been attached to. So there's kind of this thing that it's like, yeah. oh, these are all cursed. Also, I, listen, I'm not really shocked at the coincidence that a a character who is a loud, obnoxious buffoon. Oh wow, color me surprised when some of Hollywood's loudest, most obnoxious buffoons who like can't control their own habits 
all died before they could make this movie. Like, you know, there's a lot of other factors that went into many of those. Like, you know, it's not like nobody ever looked at like, I don't know, who's like a uh, like a... nobody's like nobody's like Chris Farley's life was going great until he got attached to Confederacy of Dunstan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And then, wow, he was on a downward spiral months, for a while. Dead. Same with Belushi. I mean, I don't know much about Kinnison, but uh, that one could just kind of he like he got John his Candy. death was like a freak car accident. He was in the um, car with his wife driving to a gig in the middle of the desert, in like Nevada. And the story goes Holy that sh- neither of them were wearing their seatbelts, and he like oh my God. threw himself over her in order to protect her or something. Like That's the accident problem. was coming, so he like. Basically, if there was a bullet, threw himself in front of it, but there was no bullet. There was a okay. car, um, so that that's that's how it goes. But who who knows how much truth there is to it? Because he wasn't around to talk about it. Um, Looks like it was a real confederacy of dunces. John Polking, you're our winner. I never win these things. You're the callback king on Mr. Bunker's callback time game show. We'll be sending you five pounds of fresh sliced meat (laughs) to your home. Be careful. It's unrefrigerated. I I don't like cold things. Uh, They hurt my teeth. I've got sensi teeth. Or cheese. Perfect. We'll microwave it before we send it. Um, One other thing about curses in general, like this one and then the James Dean one, is fuck. That's my favorite. Curses need to be like preempted by something. Doesn't a a witch need to curse it or someone? Typically, question. Typically, you get you know there's some kind of wrongdoing and someone says, "Well, to get back at you, I'm going to put a curse." There's generally an impetus for the curse. There is generally an impetus for the curse. Yes. Well, what could be the impetus for the curse on? Little bastard, what could be the impetus for the curse on Confederacy of Dunces? Satan. Oh, I just, think just a general Satan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, your 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 big uh your big uh devilish overlords. Uh I think well, they they the can have man. some sort of guy. effect uh, preconception on it. They they it wow. could be something unseen that is uh, being thrust upon the cursed object. Well, you know, I mean, you could say if it's the devil, then, you know, death by suicide, a sin, right? Uh, that could, mm-hmm. And then that okay. cursed the thing. And then James Dean, presumably having premarital sex, also a yep. sin, you know. So, wow. of course, so cool. they're cursed. She's so Catholic. Everyone knows that when you ejaculate before you get married, uh, it uh, releases uh, a teeny tiny little demon. Into the world. Um, I got a million little demons. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Somebody should burn that sock. (laughs) Uh, It burned itself. That's how we knew it was was evil. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, another thing about Little Bastard was it just spontaneously burst into flames at one point. I I don't know. Well, it was like in a warehouse. Okay. Okay. All right. You're just no, making that yeah, that's, a, that's a hat on a hat or or a bonnet on a bonnet if you're going to go car terms. Uh, a helmet, on, a racing <laughs> helmet on a motorcycle helmet. Good one. Thank y'all. you. Now, now, E, why can't this Confederacy of Dunces movie get made? Um, it's frankly, it's a really it's a really good book, but to contain the story into a movie does seem pretty complicated. I mean. 
Shit so, gets fucking canned in Hollywood all the time for no reason at all, right? Yeah. You know? I mean, come on. Oh. Like, the Sandman didn't get made for years until fucking Neil Gaiman just, like, a couple years ago, okay, Netflix, you can make it. You know, and then they made Terry it. Terry so Gilliam like, was trying to make The Man Who Killed Don Quixote for 30 years, and when he finally did, it wasn't any good. <laughs> did you did you yeah. see it? No. Then no, how can you judge, sir? I mean, how? I'm not one to be like Rotten Tomatoes is always right, but like 25% is uh, always right. Yikes. Adam Driver has not had a big hit in a while. What's up with Adam Driver's career here on Mr. Bunker's Celebrity Time Podcast? Hey, you guys ever see Terry Gilliam's Brazil? Actually, no, but I have seen Time Bandits. I thought it was really good. Like, it's visually very captivating. You know, Andy, that's a very popular I've been opinion. thinking about it a lot since Just I saw speaking it. Of, yeah, I know. Speaking of cursed people, though, like, Terry Gilliam is a is a cursed human being. Like, the, the yeah. man who killed Don Quixote, I mean, if anyone's seen Lost in La Mancha and seen all the terrible things that happened on, like, the first two days of that production, yikes. Uh, he also killed Heath Ledger, as we know. Uh, the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. With his, where... cold, with his cold bare hands. Yeah. He was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's, he's Monty Python. He was yeah. the enemy. And he was. Uh, but he, he was the American. Oh, he did 12 monkeys. Yeah. The, but, Which uh, in trivia, I Art's, Art's just figuring out who Terry Gilliam 13 is. 13 monkeys. I didn't know who it was. But I got it confused with 13 ghosts and we missed well, the Well, it, uh, it was unlucky. 13. It was unlucky. Uh, but I cut. we all cut you off, John, I think. No, I was just saying, like, you know, the whole thing with the the movie, The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, that's the movie that Heath Ledger was filming when he died. And then they replaced uh-huh. uh, his role with, I think it was Jude Law, mm-hmm. Colin Farrell, and Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, Terry Gilliam kills people. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow, look at all this shit. And then, uh, actually, that last little nugget, too, that I put on there about the guy from oh, Hogan's Heroes. Oh, did Jupiter Heroes. Ascending? Uh, no. Yeah, what about oh, that? Oh, well, uh, there's just, like, a good movie starring Greg Kinnear and Willem Dafoe about that. Um, Was that Autofocus? Yes. Oh, okay. I've never and seen it. And it. it's just, like, a solid Ladies watch, and gentlemen, you know? I mean, not... Bunk Bunkers, you can see these guys. Look at how in tune they are. Well, Autofocus, with, I just remember because it's got uh, the the box cover, uh, the DVD box cover has Greg Kinnear going, like, hmm. Right. You know, making one of those faces. And it was also when you would browse Blockbuster <laughs> from A to Z of the new releases, like all of us sane people did, uh, you would start at A and autofocus was on like the first rack. So that's how I know. Wow. Like, like Beavers, this is what we're talking about. John Polking's never seen this movie. <laughs> no. But he knows about the DVD cover. Hey, right. It was a and sweet ass brown leather jacket. <laughs> I will say. I can't even remember movies that I saw. Yeah. If Me we either. haven't seen things, we generally were aware of it and have some trivia about it regardless. It's very true, Bunk Funkers. Yes, One they're very TV. trivial people. One and Done TV podcast. Check it out. But right now, guys, yeah. I think it's time for us to check out our verdicts. We got to check out these verdicts. We got to check out these verdicts. We got to get to the verdicts. Um, now, John, you're new to the show. You've never delivered a verdict I have before. not. But so, I'm ready. But you, you have access to the patented bunker scale of probability. I have already sold where it too. Where you'll be delivering? So. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, well, it's it's patented. No, I I know. Patented, but you didn't but... have it trademarked and copyrighted. Nope. Uh, uh, 
Yeah, oh. I just changed a couple little things about it. Yeah. And red but to I, green, green to red. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, we, uh, it now it's the John Polking plausibility scale, the Pol- Plaza King. Uh, it's actually called uh, King Plausible. So, King, King yeah, plausible. You, always, you always put the king first. That's fucking plausible. <laughs> That's yeah, better. This is fucking plausible. But anyway, I have seen wow. I have seen the scale. I am ready to deliver verdicts. Wow. Wow. Well, you ready? You want to no, go I, first? Oh, God, sorry. I don't want to go first. I don't want to go first. I Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay, okay. Got a little too All big right, for my bridge. You go there, here. Huh? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, 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 not everybody can deliver a <laughs> verdict. Um uh, Ian, you want to start us off? Sure. So let's go. I guess we got to do all four of them, huh? You got to do all four. Um, I can do it. All right. That's part let's of the deal, dude. The Confederacy of Dunces. Do it. Uh, okay, I shit. am going, going in chronological order. Plausible anti-protein proton. <laughs> anti-protein. So sugar. Oh my God. Uh, plausible <laughs> sugar. Uh, because wow. I don't know. I mean, I guess the origins of the book are a little bit, could be a little bit cursed, you know, based on a little bit of bad juju there. And mm-hmm. then it attracted a lot of, uh, people to it that you could say the curse is the character that attracts people that are unhealthy and make bad choices. So there. So I'm going plausible okay. anti-proton there. Then for <laughs> the next one, which was uh, James Chuck Barris being yeah. a CIA agent. Um, I'm going to have to go plausible minus minus on that because he probably wasn't, but he never really denied it. And also it's a pretty good movie. So. You know, wow. I mean, the movie okay. makes me think maybe it could happen. Uh, Natalie Wood. Was yeah. she killed? What would she do? By Robert Wagner. I am going. Plausible smidge. And Whoa. here is why. Yeah. There's yeah. just such a dinghy supporter. My God. Dude, this all goes back <laughs> yeah. to the dinghy. Uh, because her one of her daughters said one thing that sticks out to me, which is that her the when they were sleeping on the yacht, the dinghy would constantly be banging up against it, and it would really annoy her, and oh, she yeah. could never sleep. So it makes sense to her that she would have gone to bed, been kind of drunk, had some kind of sleeping pill or something in her system, I can't remember, been annoyed by the banging, Go over to untie the dinghy and secure it, fall in the water, and drown. That probably makes the most sense to me. I don't see why Robert Wagner would kill her with other people around. He probably has other opportunities, you know? Um, Although Mm. a crime of passion, that is one thing. But I'm going, I don't think he did it. Mm -hmm. I don't think he did it. I think it's a nice family. Mm. I think that people are just sensationalizing it. And that is uh, kind wow. of an unpopular opinion. And if Robert Wagner is whist- listening, and we, we know, know that is, you are, so, yeah. uh, Ian is I stand uh, available for work. And I don't stand the sister <laughs> and the owner of the yacht who are just trying to make some money off of it. That's right, Robert Wagner. Ian will work for number two. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and then the last one, James Dean's Cursed Car. Uh, I'm actually going plausible minus and a half on this because wow, there's just wow. too many people that died. I wow, think it's wow, crazy wow. that one guy died on the first lap. Like, there's something about that car, wow. and maybe you could just say the curse is man's hubris. I don't know. <laughs> the curse is them being like, wow. I can put this piece of shit onto my car and nothing will happen. It's cool. Wow. And I can brag, wow, I can wow, brag wow. about it. And it's like, guess what, right. Poke? The suspension ain't that good. Oof. E? That was a real confederacy of verdicts right there. Thank I'll tell you, you what. Um, I guess I'll go next. Um, I'll put myself on the hot seat. Um, let's see. Confederacy of dunces. And little bastard, I'm going case closed. Wow! I don't believe in curses. I don't believe in any of this mumbo jumbo bullshit. Mm-hmm. Everything doesn't work out because life fucking sucks, <laughs> yep. and this earth is fucking cursed by its existence. Okay, and it's got nothing to do with the supernatural. It's just a fucking piece of shit. But Andy, what about you know, man's hubris? When Andy goes on rants like that, he stares directly into my eyes, <laughs> like he's saying it like. Like I did something, or I provoked him in you some way. Know what like you did. it's a lot like you know, like at the zoo. Like I did something to piss off one of the gorillas in the tank, or, or in the, the tank, cage. the swimming gorillas. That's what you did, Art. You filled up the tank. You're not supposed to do yeah. that. They can't swim. This goes all back to your upper decker. <laughs> um, as for Chuck Barris, oh wow, this is interesting. You know what? I'm going case closed on that too. I just, <laughs> okay. well, I just well, don't believe it. it. I just don't believe oh, it. Fuck it. There we go. I All don't right. believe it. I think this is just a this yeah. is just a you know ploy to sell books and create some sensation around his mm-hmm. life. Uh, you know, I I just I think I the idea of him like being said, like I hate everyone shitting on me. I'm going to change the narrative is yeah. is pretty plausible. Yeah, and yeah. I I do really appreciate that. Like he's the t- he you know he's in a position where. He could just do something like that, and then you just never say anything about it. And it is kind of fun. Like, no, nobody can disprove it because you know, like the CIA is never going to be like definitively. Here's our employment records, and we can prove empirically that Chuck Barris was never employed with us, or something like that. Um, so, but I'm I'm going case closed. I think it's just you know I don't know what it is. Just fun, basically. Right. Now, as for Natalie Wood, the main course, I. All right, I'm going I'm going to I'm going to focus in on Robert Wagner cuz even though Christopher Walken is weird to me and I don't get why he's involved and why wow. all this, you know, why the why the atmosphere around it. You know what I mean? It just feels weird to me. But I guess literally nobody is saying Christopher Walken had anything to do with this. So who am I to say like, oh, I think he did. Um but Robert Wagner, I'm going to go plausible minus Robert Wagner. Had something to do with this. only plausible minus. Wow. I thought you'd go higher. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like convinced. Wow. I'm not convinced that he did have something to do with it. That's big for Andy. But I'm like, I'm suspicious of Robert Wagner. You're sus. I was suspicious of him from the get go. The Wikipedia page says that in 2018 they reopened the investigation again, and he was again named. A that had a lot to do yeah. with the sister and the yacht guy pointing the finger. Oh, but or okay. them like right. writing yeah. books and shit, and then petitioning the L.A. Uh, police to reopen the case. Okay, mm-hmm. 
All right. So fair enough, John. How are you feeling? I'm feeling ready. Think, I'm think feeling you're up to the task. To, okay. Uh, feeling ready. The ball is in your court, John. All right. We're passing away. it off to you. Um. So, for Confederacy of Dunces, I am going to go uh, plausible molecule. Plausible wow. molecule. Mm, okay. I think that I agree with Ian that the character Ooh. in which is really Difficult hard statement for me to, to say. say. Like I had yeah. an election and then I lost it. Uh, <laughs> but I had to say that. <laughs> but plausible molecule, the the character I think attracts somebody with a less than healthy lifestyle, and therefore I think Astute it is sort point. of a cosmic joining of tragedies uh, in uh, human wow. and literary form. And, Jesus Christ, did William Shakespeare join us? What the you fuck? You know, I actually Whoa. wrote those plays. There it is. Poetry Case emotion. Talk about another Hollywood <laughs> conspiracy. Wow. Whoa! Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time revisited Shakespeare. Here we go. <laughs> so that's uh, that's Confederacy of Dunces. Chuck Barris. Chucky Bear. I'm going to go plausible smidge uh, because I Ooh. definitely think that... There, he would want to sensationalize things. I also think that, you know, host of the gong show, he might have wanted to just do this as like a bit, like an extended bit, you know, a la mm-hmm. Charlie Kaufman. Um, but also, could he have joined the CIA as a as a goof? He could have that could go the other <laughs> way, too. Like the CIA's done the some CIA really crazy, goofy shit. Picture this: you're you're sitting, you're drinking your uh, dirty martini at a CD bar, as I believe it's portrayed in Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Somebody comes up to you, it's like, "Hey, you want to be an agent?" And then somebody be like, "That'd make a pretty good story." Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go. So, plaus- did you mean Charlie Kaufman or Andy? Andy Kaufman. Kaufman. I meant Andy Kaufman. Oh, okay. Yes. Thank you for that. Both I was going to say, I didn't know, didn't know if Charlie Kaufman was known for uh, elaborate. Well, he's a rapscallion. Uh, I've seen Anomalisa. He's known for great yeah. movies. I was yeah. going to bring up Anomalisa as well. <laughs> great movie. Super sad. Underrated. Or underrepresented, I suppose. For Natalie Wood. I, <laughs> I'm right, going to go bullish on this one. Plausible plus. Whoa. In the green. Uh, You're going to be a fan favorite, John. I, am so sketchy after the documentary that was supposed to completely exonerate Robert Wagner because of the fact that it does like that whole movie seemed to be built on like, this isn't the guy I know. And that's not Hmm. enough. That's not enough. Uh, But he seems so sweet, dude. He was, he does seem so sweet. He was crying. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I would probably be a little bit of a monster on on lewds myself, uh, and I I think of myself as a nice guy. I don't know what I'm like uh, like that. That's true. Well, there's only one way to yeah, find exactly. out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Put me on a yacht. Yeah, give me a time uh, machine uh, and a pill. <laughs> uh, all right, we're gonna put the we're gonna put the recording on pause, bunk funkers, and all of us, all four of us, we're gonna go to Catalina. Yeah. We're gonna get, drink a bunch of booze. Wait, and, and we're all gonna yeah. have to try to secure a dinghy. Mid Quaalude. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we're all going to be having sex with somebody 
in the group. Christopher Walken? Is that an option? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Because I don't be think I'd have any physical chemistry with him. <laughs> I'd let him dance on my butthole. <laughs> So are we back? Are we back from the journey? Deer hunt for my G spot. <laughs> yeah, back from the journey. Wow, what a ride! What a ride! Wow, that we was. learned a lot. Uh, I I don't remember anything, and that's the terrible thing. <laughs> and I think I think that only further solidifies uh, uh, you my never point will. that there could be a connection with Robert. Yeah, unfortunately, Ian didn't get back with us. <laughs> Guys, wait up! Guys! Well, or fortunately. Uh, oh, oh shit! He's here. He was just late. Uh, oh, we. Made him lose the link or something, even though it's his link. So, <laughs> with uh, James Dean's car, I'm going to go mm-hmm. plausible minus minus on this one. Um, again, the okay. Confederacy of Dunces, people trucking this mangled heap of metal around with them. You know what? It's yeah. probably not the best quality. I don't think, right. I think it sort of begets tragedy. And so, Therefore, there's a chance that it could hmm. be, may, it might not be a traditional haunting, but right. I think there is something to be said about what is uh, what is out there and what people could actually use mm. functionally. And you know what? I'll just, uh, I'll stick with my Subaru Outback. Thank you very much. And anyone wow. else? Uh, Talk about hubris Subaru. and greed. Subaru. That's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. The lack of. Demons haunting them. The lack of demons haunting them. Um, confirmed. Beefers, do you see what we mean? Look how similar John and Ian's verdicts were. They're in sync. They wrap things up nicely. They have a uh, they. The guys know it, a lot. The kids know a lot when they're talking it took, about fucking I think, movies and shit. Seventeen episodes for me and John to finally disagree on a on a show. Whether we would, because at the end we have our own verdicts that we will either right. renew mm-hmm. or cancel the show and um we have aligned on plenty of them but actually lately i feel like we have disagreed a lot so i'm just sick of you yeah maybe we just wow. want to contradict each other not I'm a hot like, take if you like it take. yes then it can't yeah, be what done. does that say about me yeah right. um well Art, you got to yes. bring us on home. I will bring us on home. This has been a fantastic uh, round of verdicts here. I'm going to go case closed for Confederacy of Dunces and Chuck Barris. Um, I'm case closed on both of those. I think a uh, similar reason to you that you brought up, John, that uh, whatever you said about uh, people who don't live unhealthy lifestyles, of course, would also be drawn to playing a character like that, Ignatius. And then Chuck Barris, I just don't buy it. I think that this is a fun goof and a gag. That a guy who clearly kind of doesn't really have, and I don't want to say morals, but um, you know, there's there's people who will sell out anything for for a for like you know a little bit of clout and fame and stuff. It's sort of one of those situations where he's like, ah, I'll just write this fucking bullshit and I'll just play it and it'll be a fun goof and no one actually thinks it's serious. But or like his last grab for fame, like this will make people talk about me. Yeah. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Sort of one of those situations. Uh, I'm going straight. I'm going straight down the road. Plausible for Whoa. Natalie Wood. Wow, what a cop out! It's not a cop out. It is a verdict. I think it could go both ways. I part of my brain is like, you know, if if people who are very powerful in Hollywood, like your Bill Cosby's, like your Harvey Weinstein's, can eventually get caught and go to jail for something, how 
It's like somebody like Robert Wagner who's like, I mean, when was the last time anybody brought up Robert Wagner? You know what I'm saying? Like, how is this guy covering up a murder? You know what I'm saying? You guys get what I mean by that? Where it's like, he doesn't have that much clout. How is he covering up a murder? So that makes me go, well, okay, maybe he's innocent. Well, he probably has gotten a lot of older people into reverse mortgages. So <laughs> does he do that shit? They could be supporting him with all the cash they got from the reverse mortgage. Oh, geez, he does that stuff? Sure. Um, they also, but at the same time, I what I honestly think it probably is, is like it could be some kind of, Accident. One of those just really unfortunate accidents where it's like a manslaughter right. sort of thing, where it's like, you know, it's not a straight up murder that like you said, Ian. There's plenty of ways. To, I, I don't think there's malice there. I think it's just sort of like they were fucked up. They were on drugs. There was drinking involved. Nobody. Maybe somebody gave somebody a little thinking. push. Maybe somebody gave somebody a push, but not on with any malice, just sort of a like, you know, or maybe mm-hmm. with and malice, they, but not you know, that they, much malice. There was no malice in the palace. There was malice. Way. There wasn't necessarily intent to harm to that extent. And for James Dean's car, I'm going plausible smidge. I do like him a good curse. I do believe in a good curse, but uh, I just think that cars are dangerous, wow. especially back then. So, wow. And that car was a mangled fuck up hunk of junk. I really want to know if there's somebody out there who loves cars. Tell me how they take that mangled hunk up, hunk of junk, hunked up hunk of junk, and they turn that into salvageable parts. How do you think? Hunky they do guy, that? hunky car. I want to know. Hunky guy, hunky car, that's for sure. Hunky that's guy. That's the true verdict. Hunky car could be the name of this podcast today. Um, you know, uh, wow, what a great set of verdicts we had. I mean, and what a lot of verdicts we had right. uh, today. Um, but what do you think, Beefers? Uh, what what are your opinions on all of these this this veritable buffet such a buffet of Hollywood conspiracy theories? Yeah, really. Um, let us know what you think. Use the hashtag. Um, Daddy Wagner, fellas. Hashtag Daddy Wagner. There Great is, suggestion, Ian. Uh, use the hashtag Daddy Wagner. You can tweet at us. Get us on Instagram at Mr Bunkerpod. Email us Mr Bunkerpod at gmail.com. Uh, if you have the means to do so and you feel so inclined, please consider checking out our Patreon, where for only one buck a month, you could tell us what you think in the Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Discord. For five bucks a month, that'll get you access to literally dozens of weeks of 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 behind-the-scenes um, Patreon-only content yeah. that you can only get on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're interested in that, check it out, patreon.com. Forward slash I really Mr. enjoyed Art doing a live stream of um, the Mortuary's assistant last week. Yeah, we streamed a Me, scary game. And it was, it was a scary. scary game. It was fun to watch you play and see everyone's reaction to it because it was very strange and it was fun for me and Natalie and my sister and my sister-in-law were in town and my sister loved it. Mm. My sister-in-law uh, did not understand the appeal, but that's fine. Just of art in general? Of the game. Of of the game. No, I get it. But it's tough for that not to feel like a rejection of you personally, though. Right. Yeah, no. I I think think it's part of it. I think it's part of it. Yeah, if it had been a different streamer, there Mm -hmm. might have been a different outcome. Um, But thank you, Ian and John, for joining us, uh, co-hosts of One and Done TV Podcast. Uh, Once again, uh, Ian and John, tell our bunk funkers 
where can they get one and done you TV can follow podcast? us on twitter and instagram at one and done tv you can email us at one and done pod at gmail.com not one and done tv at gmail.com that's somebody else that owns that email and i don't Stop know who that is and i don't know who you're people to the wrong one just say the right one <laughs> well now i can't remember <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, email us about your thoughts, your feedback, uh, give us suggestions for shows that you want to see us review. We've been doing a lot of recent cancellations lately, and I want to get back to a couple, a couple gems. If there's one that you like really love and you don't know why nobody's ever talked about it, then hit us up. Okay. We will. You got any? Um, you got any fun upcoming episodes or fun stuff happening on the pod? You want to plug? Halloween. We're doing Resident Evil, which was another recent oh, cancellation. Wow. wow. Yeah, and then we're doing. Um, frankly, I haven't even talked to John about this, but I really want to do Swamp Thing too, which <laughs> oh was you have sh- talked to me about it. I've just kind of no, but about like really doing it like very soon right. because. Was that a live it action? It was, and thing? it was on the short-lived DC universe, I believe, and it was canceled before it ever came out. So I want to oh. see. It's like zero exactly, and um, the Freaks and Geeks is really the big wow. episode. Uh, our Studio sixty one is something that a lot of people seem to enjoy. Zach Stone is going to be famous. Yeah. The one that people have enjoyed. That's our biggest one. It's actually, it's got double the listeners of the one, the second one and the most, the most wow. around the world uh, listened. So wow. people love Bo Burnham. What can I say? Bo Burnham. Yeah. Big draw. Um, all right. So check all that out. Uh, Bunk Funkers. Go give them a listen. One and done TV podcast. Check them out at One and Done TV. Speaking um, speaking of bunker, them. bunk funkers yeah. and beefers, okay. I feel like you guys right. were saying blimpers for a hot minute, and that's really gone away. What? Oh, well, you know, we reserve the right to call people who enjoy this show whatever we want. I mean, we'll call them giraffes. Probably. I don't know how the people in the Discord will respond to that. Hmm. Well, well thanks and- for listening, giraffes. <laughs> Well, I guess if they have any complaints, they can fucking get banned. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the one rule. Uh, I'm new, in charge here. New policy. You disagree with yeah, us. That's you get the banned. one rule on the Discord. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go against us or you get kicked. Um, Ian, John, thank you so much for being here thank with you us. Thanks boys. for having us. Uh, thank Ian, you so much. Ian, great job researching these these topics today. Um, shout out again to Rocky yep. for inspiring this episode with little bastard Rocky, our little bastard. Uh, <laughs> he is a car. He is a talking yeah. live car. He's like Kit. Um, he's like Kit from Knight Rider. Um, but that's our show for today, Bunk Funkers. So, uh, Art, you got any last words you want to drop on the blimpers here? Uh, you know, Bunk Funkers, I think TV is better than movies. Uh, hot take that I never got to say on the earlier part of the show, but I think I like a TV show more than I like a movie. If you disagree with that, let me know. If you agree with that, uh, let us know. But hey, you know, it's sad when you see something you love get canceled, but hey, I got to tell you, One and Done TV, Ian and John, they do a great job Wow, uh, talking about them. 
You heard it here, giraffes. Go give One and Done TV podcast a listen right now. Um, that's our show for today. So for not the titular Mr. Bunker, but for my erotic co-hosts, <laughs> Art Stone, Ian Hamilton, and John Polking. <laughs> that's right. This is Andy Hart saying that was the whole enchilada. Sometimes it's so you know you wanna know minute and then it's like a minute good theme song and a blink of an eye it's all gone one and done good theme song You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.